Sports. All right. So welcome, everyone. Hello out there. Thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the One Race Alliance podcast, activating the truth that we are all connected. I am your co-host, Tezra. And I am Koa. I don't see those the screen changing, but that's okay. All right. So, yeah, I'm Koa, and we will be rocking out with our second episode officially, One Race Alliance, activating the truth that we are all connected. And we have an awesome podcast, a very exciting podcast today, because it's going to be a powerhouse panelist, and we're going to really be diving into the subject at hand. So uh, let's see. Um, Tezra, you want to hit us with the title so of let's the have podcast? Our co- yeah, let's first let our... Um guests introduce themselves and then we'll go into what today's podcast is about. Does that sound all right? And I also want to say that we are also uh, live on Clubhouse having a listening room. And so I just want to welcome everybody out there in Clubhouse. And uh, if you want to chime in, even though you can't participate in the conversation, but you can participate in the room chat. So feel free to drop things in the room chat, and then we can also include that into the discussion. So starting with the beautiful cat, uh, if you want to go ahead and introduce yourselves, tell us a little bit about yourself, what do you do, and what's your club on Clubhouse for those listeners who are uh, on Clubhouse, and they can find you there. Awesome. Thanks, Tezra. So happy to be here with all of you today. My name is Kat Moulton. I'm a coach, a healer, um, a transformational catalyst, and I really help people get out of their head and into their heart to create the impact they feel called to make. I love that you talked about this topic from like a heart space, a compassionate space, and a tenderness space. My club on Clubhouse, Clubhouse is the Energy is Everything Club, where we demystify all things energy, and we are going live in the club as well right now with your podcast. So thanks. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Everything that um, everything is energy club is one of my fave clubs on Clubhouse. Lori, you next, my love. Can you tell us a little bit about yourselves and where we can find you? Well, I keep saying selves. If you could tell me a little bit about yourself and where we can find you on Clubhouse. Hi, everyone. So glad to be here. Um, I'm just mostly bouncing around rooms in Clubhouse. I I'm very often drawn to your rooms, Tezra, and Del Sol's Sacred Ground. So those are my two favorites right now. Um, But uh, I personally am a body worker, and I'm in courses that are understanding recovery and finding it very interesting that, well, at least for me, what you do in recovery for substance abuse is what I'm basically doing on my spiritual journey. So I'm kind of diving more into that and seeing those parallels now. And um, it's fascinating. Thanks for having me today. Awesome. That sounds very intriguing. Yeah. And I think Noms or Naomi, Noms is her name on Clubhouse. Um, Naomi has joined in. So Naomi, welcome. Welcome to the One Race Reliance podcast. Oh, and we're right now, the guests are introducing themselves. And so next is... Brother Del Sol. What's up, Del Sol? Tell us who you are, what you're about, and how we can find you on Clubhouse. Thank you for having me here in this beautiful podcast. I am Del Sol. I am an intuitive healer, tribal elder. Um, My house on Clubhouse is Sacred Grounds, as Lori mentioned, where you can show up to be your truest, authentic self without judgment. I help with soul remembrances, 
through activations via light language and portals. So I am here. It is an honor to be here. Thank you. It's definitely an honor to have you, Del Sol. Um, and also, Del Sol may want to open us up with a little light language. I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying, let's put that out there. Um, <laughs> Linlin, the beautiful Linlin, why don't you open up and tell us about who you are and where we can find you on Clubhouse. Peace to everyone. Um, I am an experience, uh, but people call me Linlin. And the things that I like to do are speak. So I'm a transformational speaker and coach. I also happen to be great friends and acquaintances with these two marvelous founders of this podcast. Um, on Clubhouse, I have a club called the Ascension Community, which initially started off as a vision for a bartering community where people just choose to share and trade what they love to do. Um, that has since developed into more of a, a self-awareness group, um, but we are still working towards that bartering community. Thank you. I'm also one of my favorite clubs on Clubhouse. And and Del Sol's is too. But um I think he just opened the the house, right? Del Sol, I'm not sure how old that house is, but um Ni yeah, go ahead, Del Sol. <laughs> Naomi, Noms, you are up, my love. Give us a little bit about who you are and where we can find you on Clubhouse. Can I say Thanks. something first? Lynn, Lynn, I just want to say I love the trusses. I know we had a small conversation about that, so I'm loving it. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> nom, nom, uh, nom, nom. Naomi, go ahead, love. Tell us about who you are and where we can find you. I love that, nom, nom. <laughs> I think I'm going to use that as my nickname. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> I don't know, right? New channels. We, we, we welcome it all. <laughs> Um, my name is Naomi Nams. Um, I go by, I call myself the goddess of many names. I go by many, many names, Phoenix Priestess, um, Naomi, many different names. Um, what am I do? I'm an ordained, uh, uh, priestess, high priestess, uh, a metaphysical minister. Um, I am the founder of temp the Temple of Shekinah Mystery School, Advanced School for Metaphysical Ministry. And what we do is we help for um, sacred leaders being able to integrate into um, more confidence of embodying um, what it means to be a sacred leader, what it means to embody the mysteries, what it means to explore mysteries, and what it means to be able to apply um, practical mysticism within your practice, within uh, your clients. Um, I particularly work with the area of uh, spiritual emergencies um, and learning how that bridges into um, everyday mental health because they, we kind of separate the whole conversations of uh, spirituality and mental health. I do a whole lot of things, but I don't want to take up all the time, <laughs> but you can find me on Clubhouse. I have um, my house and club, the Phoenix headquarters, uh, where we do multiple different things. I'm a Gemini, so we always going to be multidimensional and not be doing the same thing all the time. <laughs> but yeah, you can definitely find me over there. Thank you so much for allowing me to speak. Of course. Thank you. Awesome. No, I, I'm just still trying to navigate all these controls because I, because I, everybody pops up in when they're speaking, but I don't pop up to for myself. So I don't know how that's how that's flowing as far as the recording, but uh, it is what it is. Uh, you know, we'll see. Well, you popped up on my screen. 
Oh, when I'm talking? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that when the person who is speaking, you will still see yourself in gallery, but the other people can see me on, on their screen as speaker view. Yeah. Oh, got it. Okay. All right. So before we go into um, the show, um, Del Sol, do you have anything for us? Absolutely. For this okay. gathering, sacred gathering, absolutely. <clears throat> Thank you for setting this up, Tez. Thank you mm. for honoring us. <sighs> Mahalo. Thank you so much for that, though. So that energy is very well received. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you so much. So ancient. Yes. So ancient. Oh. All right. I'm just. Awesome, 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 awesome. Santo here. There you go. Okay. Throw it up. Let's go. Here we go. <laughs> We're ready. All right. So today is actually the International Day for the Elimination of Racial Discrimination. And this podcast is named the same. So I just want to give you a little, little bit of background because I just learned about this three weeks ago. But so the International Day for the Elimination of Racial Discrimination was created by the United Nations General Assembly on March 21st, 1966. This day is observed annually on March 21st to promote awareness and action to combat racial discrimination and promote equality and human rights for all. And uh, just to add add to that, um, the day was created six years to the day after an incident took place. So incident is not doing it any justice, but that's after police in Sharpville, South Africa killed 69 people that were participating in a peaceful demonstration and they just, you know, did what they did and that caused all kinds of outrage, of course, and then years to come, the UN did what they did in 1966. So this would be, I believe, the 75th um, anniversary of this holiday. I may have, might be a year or so off, but it's somewhere around there. It's been quite some time. Um, so that is the origin of it, and um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get into it. Uh, I, I'm already I'm fired up in a sense because it's like when they when I saw that online, it's the 75th anniversary for the elimination. I was like, well, it's not we're not doing a good job at eliminating. It's like we're going on on 100 years, 200. Like we have to do something more than just have an anniversary situation for this day just to make it a, a shout out and then everything goes back to what it goes to. But anyway, well, let's let's dive right in and go ahead, Tesra, take it away. Did anybody? Thank you. Did anybody else hear about this holiday or this observance day or this? Did anyone else hear about this? No. And I know it's an international day, so maybe that could be why that it doesn't really um, resound loudly here in the United States. But, um, of course, when you know, you guys know when I learned about this, I was 
all over this. I jumped for joy. I was like, yes, let's let's do this. Let's do this. So what we're going to do is... Let me know what you think about this also. I know the clubhouse style is everybody typically has those mics on mute and everything. So, But I don't know if if everyone's background is not noisy or something. If you want to make it more conversational so you don't have to keep clicking buttons, you know, that's okay too. Like you can chime in or answer like if if we say like have you heard of it you'd be like no i never did like we can actually make it be uh, you know as engaging as you guys like more of a conversation uh if that's comfortable with everyone so just just an invite or or just chill on mute until you're ready to do what you want to do either one's fine but can i take that invite and comment on what you just said tezra which is Whenever it's anything that's just like totally logical and yes, we should do this. Doesn't everybody want this? For me, what I've noticed, the underlying thing is if it's not popular, it's because it doesn't make any money. Hmm. Nobody's making money off of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And this is why... um, and this is, you know, they made so much money off of the illusion of separation and division, right? And so that's why to bring something like this to eliminate our money maker, like, what are y'all doing? Right. So, so yeah, Lori, that's uh, I agree with that. So let's go around, and um, I want to for each of you to give your own definition of race. Well, what of what race means to you, your own definition. And then we're going to go to the scholar's definition of it. And then we're going to come back to the spiritual definition of it. So the floor is open. We could go popcorn style. Um, listeners, if you're not familiar with Clubhouse, that's how we refer to just come off the mic. You know, when somebody is done speaking, you could just come off the mic. You don't have to go in order as you are on the screen. So we could just go popcorn style, whoever wants to start it off. Definition of race. I could go with the indigenous definition of the four colors, white, black, red, and yellow. Um, In my practice of the Mayan teachings, that's what they tap into when they speak of race or the four directions. For me, it would be as far as tribal, recognizing that we're all from different tribes and we all represent different things throughout space and time. That's how I see race as far as being whole. Hi, so this is Lynn Lynn. Um, Before I answer that question, I was sitting here thinking about um, what you shared a few minutes ago. And I think it's very interesting that this day, uh, something that the United Nations created. So when I think about nations and nationality, I can't help but to realize that we were taken out of our correct or proper status. We were tribal. So when you said that word, it clicked for me. We were tribal people. There were no nationalities. There was no such thing as a nation. But somehow these things were formed and people were taken out of their original status and then made to subscribe to something such as nationality, race, and all of these other terms that we come up with. So for me, race is simply a term. It is something that's put out there. It was an idea in someone's mind. And as long as everyone else subscribes to it and add their energy to it, then it can become what it is. So that's my definition of race. Awesome. Naomi? Yeah, so the word race really kind of creates this dissonance in my mind, because especially with what it is that we say that we're referring to. 
because when I think of race, I think of athletics, I think of running, I think of, you know, I think of, <laughs> you know, just, you know, an actual race, but that's not what we're talking about. And I think that's really important um, when it comes to the concept, uh, because, you know, the concept of race is a concept that really only came in the 1600s. So, you know, as, as what was being spoken about, we were tribal people. Uh, we didn't identify colors and nations who boarded Mother Earth, who gave us the right to border the Mother Earth and say, this is this nation and this is that nation. This is this country and this is that country. Um, so, yeah, I guess my understanding of race is um, really kind of separating from what we've been taught to understand it to be and really coming back to the etymology of um, what a race actually means, which creates the division in society today. Wow. Thank you. Yes. Um, thank you all for all these definitions. Yeah, I mean, uh, they they all have have merit and all these different points of views, and I'm sure there's there's even more points of views that people hold whatever comes in their mind when they first hear that term. But yeah, it definitely has some an interesting history uh, to it, and and most people. I think that it's not really highlighted much. So we just go with, you know, black, white, this, that, you know, we just think that that's just a thing that's exists and it, you know, it's, it's, it's a reality. Like it's a real thing. You don't, not, a lot of people don't think of it as just a concept that was invented and then, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, but Tezra, so you're going to jump into um, some of other definitions as well, correct? Yeah, we're going to, um, the scholars, have um, already shared their definition of what race is. And then there are some other scholarly definitions that I would like to um, share about what they wrote as racism. And then, like I said, I want to walk us through the spiritual text and what they say about racism. Race. and uh, Or racial, or racial, race. Thank you <laughs> about race. And, um, and I really want us to take the time to take this walk together, to take this journey together, to begin to unpack this in a very careful way. So I don't wanna, we don't have to rush through it. Cause, and the reason why I'm saying that, I'm basically speaking to myself because I have a habit, cause I'm like the Energizer Bunny, I'm full of energy and I'm just going, 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 going. But in certain instances, I realized that I have to stop and slow down and really let this breathe so that it can be revealed. And so that's what I want us to do today. I just want to slow it down just a tad. I want to take it off a Tesra pace and go a little bit more, you know, um, cruising a little bit. So um, this is from the National Museum of African-American History and Culture website. And this page was the History Foundations of Race. And it says, race is a human invented shorthand term used to describe and categorize people into various social groups based on characteristics like skin, physical features, and, generic, and genetic heredity. Race, while not a valid biological concept, is a real social construction that gives or denies benefits and privileges. From Audrey Smetley, who's an anthropologist, 
1997, she wrote Origin of the Idea of Race. She says, race wasn't invented because it is a set of beliefs and attitudes about human variation. It has nothing to do with the biological variation itself. You can have many societies with, with great diversity in physical features without the idea of race. Race represents attitudes and beliefs about human differences, not the differences themselves. So um, I wanted to give the scholar of what man says about race. Now let's go back to see what the spiritual texts that's about race. Not Texas, the state texts, plural. <laughs> okay. In the Quran, the Quran, the holy book of Islam, emphasizes the importance of human, of human unity, equality, and diversity. It does not promote racial or ethnic superiority or discrimination but rather teaches that all human beings are created equal and should be treated with respect and dignity. Here are some of the key teachings and verses from the Quran that addresses race and human diversity. Diversity as a sign of God. The Quran acknowledges the diversity in human beings, including differences in language and skin color, as a sign of God's creative power and wisdom. Quran 30.22 no superiority based on race or ethnicity. According to the Quran, the only criterion for superiority or honor among people is one's piety and righteousness, not race or ethnicity. Quran 49.13. This verse emphasizes the principle of equal worth and dignity for all human beings. The Bible. Throughout the Old Testament, there are, there are references to different nations and tribes, such as the Israelites, Canaanites, Hittites, and Amorites, among others. These distinctions were primarily based on genealogy, geographic location, and culture rather than race as we understand it today. In the New Testament, the focus shifts towards a more inclusive message. The teachings of Jesus and the apostles emphasize that salvation is available to all people, regardless of their ethnicity or background. Galatians 3.28, Acts chapter 10, verses 34 through 35. The early Christian church was composed of people from various ethnic and cultural backgrounds. And this diversity was seen as a strength rather than a division. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. So while the Bible does not define race in the modern sense, it acknowledges the existence of different people, groups, and emphasizes the importance of unity and love among all people, regardless of their ethnicity or background. The Torah. One of the central teachings of the Torah is the idea that all human beings are created in the image of God and are therefore inherently valuable and deserving of dignity and respect. This teaching is expressed in the creation story in Genesis, where God creates humanity in his image and gives them dominion over the earth. The Torah also contains numerous laws and commandments that apply equally to all members of the Jewish community, regardless of their ethnicity or background. For example, the Ten Commandments and other laws regarding ethical behavior and social justice apply to all Jews regardless of their race or nationality. Overall, 
the Torah teaches that all human beings are equal in the eyes of God and that differences in ethnicity and culture should be celebrated rather than used to create division between people. And the last text that I researched was the Bhagavad Gita. The Bhagavad Gita is a sacred text of Hinduism that primarily teaches about spiritual concepts and the nature of reality. It does not direct address, it does not directly address the concept of race as it was, it was written in a time and place where the modern concept of race did not exist. However, it does not provide teachings about, however, it does provide teachings about equality and non-discrimination based on external factors such as caste or birth. In the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna teaches that all beings are essentially the same at their core, as they are all manifestations of the same divine consciousness. He emphasizes the importance of treating all beings with respect and compassion, regardless of their social status or background. While Thus, while the Bhagavad Gita does not specifically address the concept of race, it teaches promote its teachings promote the value of, of equality and non-discrimination towards all beings, regardless of their external differences. Hmm. Does anybody have any thoughts about that? I find that very interesting. Well, we'll keep going, but I just don't know if anybody has any thoughts, feel free to chime in. I just think so many of the external differences are just biological from where you you were your genetics are from. And and so it's just so ridiculous to think otherwise and how this all came to be, all these lies and that yeah. are still being believed even with science. I mean, it just blows my mind and I lose my words because it's just so unimaginable to me that this is still going on. It's been going on my whole life. And it's just getting bigger rather than being solved. Mm. And again, I think it's just because there's no money to be made from it. Yeah. If you're peaceful and happy, you don't need external things. Yeah, so. very, very true. And the fact that you mentioned science, we're going to weave that into the conversation a little later. So um, thank you for that. So the purpose of the conversation is first we're going to discuss like the origin and the motive behind the creation of race. And then the second half, we're going to discuss how do we accomplish the elimination of racial discrimination? All right. So we have a few. Go ahead. No, I was saying, yeah, let's dive into it. We have some questions. We want to pick the brains of you amazing people. So we're going to uh, jump on in and see what people think uh, when it comes to some of these questions that we have. So I don't know, uh, Tessa, you want to take the first one or you want me to take the first one or however you want to do it? Let's just rock and roll. Um, you can take the first one. Let's, yeah, take the first one. All right. Um, so the first question I believe we have here is, how does this man-made construct affect you currently? Like, how does it affect you, if at all? 
probably does. But you let us know. How does how does it affect you on your daily life? Do you run into things? Does have the things still happen? Do you you know? Or does it mess with your emotions? You know? Do you run into it on the streets? You know? However, however you want to answer that. Uh, and it's no particular order. So whoever un unmutes and wants to dive in, how does this man-made construct affect you in 2023? Jesus. Kat looks like she wants to go. <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, I think it, for me, it, it just keeps the division alive. I've seen how when my friend, my kids, when they were younger, had friends who are of different races, how in our community that wasn't very popular for them and and how painful it was for their friends. And I, th I think it just keeps us divided. I don't see a lot of it in my life on a regular basis, basically because I'm holed up in my apartment alone all the time just doing my own thing. But I, I just, I, I look back in the recent years of my life and even my, my mother who I didn't think was racist when I put her in a different place where we traveled, I, I saw how it was really like inculcated in her. And it, that was the wake up call for me. I, I didn't, I didn't know that about her or see that. And I, and I just, it's hard to see other people in pain. And I, when I didn't get a chance to talk um, in the first part about race, because when Naomi said about um, running that that's what I think of sometimes. And I think of the book I used to read to my kids um, by Jamie Lee Curtis the human race, like we are all just one human race. And how do we, how do we teach that to our children, right? Who are going to like bring these things forth and continue what's happened. And I love the passages you read from the different spiritual texts because there wasn't as much separation so many years ago. So I don't have any answers and I don't know how it affects me directly all the time, but it definitely brings up the sadness and tenderness. And I'm really honored to be here with you guys today. So mm. thanks. No, that, that's right Thank on you, point. That, that's definitely being affected. It's just just knowing what's out there, knowing what um, pe people are still perpetuating, and it just can really deal with a, a sadness that you know. It's just as a compassionate sadness. You want you'd like to see some forward progress, some real change, and if you, when it's not happening, it can actually kind of just even if it's more subconscious or in the back of your mind it's still a weight it can still be like oh okay still we're still doing this so got it yeah it's emotional it's mentally heavy um go ahead Tess babe Tess no I you know what and it also it kind of puts you in a space of of Ramdas right sometimes when I, well most of the time after I listen to a Ramdas podcast and his teachings I'm stuck in a space like, like processing. So, and I, I think a lot of the times, you know, it's processing, right? Everybody can jump in, chime in. I mean, you know, barge right in. <laughs> you know, I don't care if you talk over me or, or cut me off. This is a, a free flowing conversation. And so I definitely wanted to have that spirit of that. So I think that Kat, when you said, you know, you don't know how it affects you, um, directly affects you sometimes I find myself in that same boat because I you know it's just like I know it's there like I know what Ram Dass is saying but how does it you know how do I how does it affect me how do I you know um translate that how do I process it so I I feel you uh when you say that who else who else how does this man-made construct yeah go right ahead Lynn um, 
I would like to say that I thought, um, before I answer the question, I thought what was interesting about the spiritual definitions that you gave is that all of them um, seem to speak to some type of higher one creator or some type of all, um, no matter what the religion was. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, and so to answer the question, how does it affect me in 2023? Um, I'd like to say that it doesn't affect me much in 2023. Um, there's a saying that I won't quote accurately, so don't go look it up because I never quote <laughs> things accurately. But how I heard it is a higher level, well, I'll say first, a lower level observer is affected by the things they see, but a higher level observer affects the things they see. And mm -hmm. the reason why that quote came out to me is because I always think ascension when I think higher, but it's not as simple as just higher. In order to go higher, I have to go within. And so I have to do this work within myself in order to be a higher level observer so that things such as race doesn't affect me the way that they used to. But to be totally transparent, which is part of the work, um, there is conditioning that I have experienced for many years and that takes time and it takes work. And even as this, as late as this morning, um, there was an experience that I had that I caught myself and was aware of my feeling about race. So the story is my son um, texted me very early this rise um, because he played basketball yesterday with a friend but he didn't take his car. And so he said, mom, can you come pick me up? He sent me the address and I looked at it. And as I started driving, I realized that the area that he was in is actually an area that was on the Oprah Winfrey Network. She did this big thing about this one part in Georgia, this one county in Georgia that was very, very racist. So much so that it was on the Oprah Network. And then 20 years later, about maybe two or three years ago, Tamron Hall went back and visited that same county to see what is it like today. So this county is known to be very, very racist. I had an experience when I moved to Georgia that kind of told me, yeah, there are people who still have this mindset in this county. So when my son told me this is where he was, my conditioning, immediately my mind said, why is he there? Oh my gosh. You're there, you're in Forsyth County. And then I became aware of my thoughts. And I thought, why am I feeling that there's something that's dangerous or something could happen? I believe that everything is occurring here in our mind. Everything happens there. So it's the awareness that I'm, I'm working through. It's that self-awareness and realizing that this conditioning is there. So to say, oh, I'm never affected, is that really true? If you haven't worked through everything, if you haven't been able to see within what is really causing this mindset and peel back those layers to address it, then it's a continuous work of ascension. So um, I believe that absolutely in 2023, it affects me far less because I see myself as a higher level observer. I, I love that. And, you know, when you said, when you talked about um, the conditioning, I thought about Kat's mom when Kat said that she didn't realize that her mother was inculcated with this racist thinking. But the, and, I, and I thought that's because of her conditioning. 
So, you know, especially when you live in this country, you know, there is no escaping it, right? So it's actually no one's fault, but it is our responsibility to be aware, like Lynn was just speaking of, being aware of the thoughts. So um, I, I love that. I love that share, Lynn. Thank you. Who's next? Yeah, Laurie or Naomi, uh, how has this man-made construct affected you? Or Del Sol, yes. Um, how's this man-made construct affected you in your current life, your current day, 2023? As Lynn just said, it's like you it hasn't affected me, and I don't allow it to affect me, only because I view things from a higher perspective and I know that there's always energies around me that I can utilize to dissipate whatever is coming at me. So with that understanding, I'm always in the notion of flow. However, I move, there's a certain energy that I present myself with wherever I go for me to dissipate whatever's coming at me. So I never allow it to past that barrier i'm always on the forefront just projecting and transmuting because my energy i allow my energy to speak for itself wherever i go and when i'm in that space whatever energy is there is not allowed to be there it can be there or it will be transmuted mm -hmm. and that's wherever <laughs> i go wherever my family goes it's all that we make it look sometimes but that's on them not on us so I never allow it to affect me. And that's how I perceive and how I project everything around me. Powerful. Where's the um where's the horns? Where's the I know I didn't I didn't wanna <laughs> I didn't label the sounds, but I didn't want to come on with some laughter or something when I mean to clap. <laughs> so but um, you know, I, I think right there, uh, Del Sol, I, I mean, you know, we could just end the podcast right here, right? Because you just said what the solution is to ending racial discrimination. Right? Well, you and Lillian just shared, that's it. That's it. So let's let's keep it going. We're not gonna end it though. We're gonna keep on going because I'm sure there's some more yummy stuff that's gonna come out of this. So who's gonna go next? Lori or Naomi? I can go. Um, for me, it's like, I feel like I've been lied to my whole life. Like, what? I had no idea. Just completely. And what was the lie, Lori? What was the lie? Just everything about, you know, like um, slavery and what we were taught about the, the songs, the spiritual songs. And I, it's just like, excuse me now. I, but as kids, you just like, okay. You know, you're just conditioned to believe all that. And, um, but the, for me personally, the, the silver lining has been, it's caused me to look at all the other lies I've been conditioned with and, um, and, and look at different aspects of myself. So I think that's what the time we're in right now. And this is just one of many ways that lies are being exposed and the, the light is being shown into the dark corners with all the cobwebs and spiders to be swept out. So that to me is the saving grace of all this pain that people are going through and seeing and, and, and just that 
that feeling of devastation, but knowing that the truth will set us free, mm. ultimately. Right. And the truth is, is that we are all connected. We are all one. Lin Lin loves to say that whenever she has a room in her club, there's only one of us here. And my heart just bubbles over every time I hear it. Because it's true, like right now, there is only one of us here. And we're different fractals of the universe's beautiful, creative expression. How did they hope we could bamboozle us all of this time to think something different? It's mind-blowing. It's fascinating. And uh, just sidebar, um, folks, if you don't know, Lori plays beautiful djembe. Beautiful djembe. Maybe we can get her to, you know, serenade us a little bit with it uh, before we end this, this podcast today. Um, Naomi. All right, bringing up the rear, Naomi. So what is your, how does this man-made construct affect you today? Um, how does this man-made concept affect me? Um, with my Gemini mind, it wants to uh, answer this question in a dual aspect because it's, there's parts where I try to not allow it to affect me, even though there has been real-time experiences where, you know, I've, I've, um, been discriminated against for just again just for the color of my skin the texture of my hair but then we also have to remember that we the the these types of experiences especially for myself have not been only experienced by the opposite race i've also had these experiences with the same race so it really goes back to the teachings of jane elliott when she goes and she speaks about the discrimination and how really our perception is our, our the real problem is our eyes and how our eyes are programmed to see each other, see people discriminate, you know, demonize and, and mostly demonize things that we don't understand, demonize things that we don't have a reference point of. Um, and I really think the solution is, is us becoming more comfortable with ourselves because there's a deep-seated insecurity that allows us to um, project onto another, whether it's racism, whether it's, um, you know, any type of prejudice. I really, I really come back to the root understanding of, of, of just um, understanding the human nature to, to be prejudiced and to, um, you know, uh, use their own ideas over, you know, what, what someone else's experiences may be. Um, and so I, I feel like the more that we begin to come into that grounded center within ourselves, we can begin to create a grounded center for the world so we can all exist within the same space together without feeling like we have to eradicate someone. <laughs> and I feel like that's the poison and the, 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 um, the toxicity that humanity is learning to transcend in this moment of time. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. 
Oh man, I love all these answers. Um, I, yeah, I can certainly relate to little parts of the, the what, what uh, most of it people were sharing. I, I can relate to it personally, um, especially what you were saying, uh, Del Sol and, and Linlin, as far as just just coming to that awareness. That's like the first key. Is like as soon as you can catch yourself, I like to call it like that. Catch myself, then you can actually reset regroup and, and those are those moments when you get caught you know and you so you, the catching yourself is so vital and the thing that del soul said that it's like that's like the next part after you either you're already aware of it or you catch yourself you realign you have your energy set up so your intention is only pulling things that that you intend to have in, in your life or around you so i, I can certainly relate to that e even um like outside uh, uh racist um those kind of guidelines i've i've less walked around on this earth setting the intention for all types of bullshit to miss me like you get that that could all miss me like I, I have no problem showing up either before or after something has occurred and, it, and it's like oh that, that just happened i mean like just a, a really really uh quick example uh when i worked as a bartender and my shift was starting i, I showed up i got to the bar i saw the bar there. I was like, hey, what's up? And they were like, hey, what's going on? I was like, all right, well, it's almost that time. I'm about to go change. So I go downstairs in the basement area and I change in about 15 minutes. I come back up and they were like, yo, did you hear? Did you... Did you see what just happened? Like, where were you? You, were down, you weren't here. You know, the dude that was sitting there, he like started wilding out and then he threw a bottle over here and then that happened. They had to grab him and all this stuff. Yeah, you like, you just missed it. I was like, oh, did I? Okay. Like, as planned, like, I, I don't think about it, about it, how linear it works, but just energetically, I like things to just, I like to miss all that stuff, you know, all that kind of nonsense. So, I see examples pop up of how it misses me. And as far as the racist uh, racism conversation goes, yeah, I don't really run into a, situations where I'm like, oh, oh, they're talking bad about this. You know, I, I don't hit the have those feelings or, or run into those situations, even though I know they exist. I see it all the time. I see people outraged all the time. But yeah, I personally don't really get hit with those 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 situations. So, yeah, I, I, I thank you all for and your sharing. And also when you get pulled over by the cops, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it's I'm like so it's very, about that. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. very, very different. Very different. <laughs> because and this is how you end racial discrimination because like Del Sol was talking about the energy that you carry, you transmute. You attract that beautiful energy that you are carrying. That you don't you don't hold this taboo about yourself that people or society is trying to beg and you to hold. And I know, no, I, I don't do that. So right. when a cop pulls me over, we're friends actually. <laughs> <laughs> My friend, I'm sorry that I have to give you give you this ticket, but I'll give you the lesser, you know, uh, charge as possible. But my friend, here you go. Next time, please don't take a an illegal U-turn in the middle of the street in New Jersey because we don't do that. Yeah, we got you, pulled, you know over, what I mean? pulled over twice. Both times, yeah. I believe, with the energy of the situation, both times the tickets were given to, at a lower amount. He was like, you know what? I mean, you're not supposed to do that, but I'm just going to give you the ticket. Usually that's like about $150, but I'm just going to write the one that says that you're going to get. It's 50 bucks, but you know, I have to write up something, but just be careful next time. That and that happened twice. Two times the ticket was reduced. I'm just gonna put you down. He said on the side of the highway, I'm gonna write you the ticket for you didn't 
put your hazards on when you pull over on the highway because it's like a, tra a safety issue for the police officer and the people who are driving by. It was like, I'll put you down for that. But you you were going kind of fast and da 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 da. You know, every, you know it's because he don't come up to the window and we're like, here we go. I know what this yeah, is. Yeah, it's that energy that you black. Here we go. Like, as soon as it's that, it's like, oh, really? Well, here's that $175 ticket because... I don't care what color you are, but you were speeding. Like, what does that got to do with, you know, we don't even vibrate like that. So it ends up just de-escalating. And it's, and for those who like to um, jump, wonder, you know, the pro, my, my pro-black folks are like, well, were you, are you cooning? Are you Uncle Tommen out there to get these lower No, no, no ass kissing, no nothing. Just, just chilling, just vibrating and just, you know, just being people with another person and they recognize it and they just are like, you know, let's just, let's just do it like this, you know, and that's how it ends up going. I ain't asked anybody to do that. So yeah, that definitely is a great, great point. To definitely bring how you vibrate. Yeah, for sure. So for me, I have to say, I am so married and committed and um, just all in about dissolving this illusion of separation and division that y'all, seriously, sometimes when I'm reading, like if it says back, I'll see black. Just because I'm like, my, my mind is so conditioned, right? Like I'm in the process of washing my mind, rinsing my mind so that I have a new mind. But I do have to say that I am, I do have these moments of trauma where if I read something that says, um, it could say the black boat, I automatically, as soon as I see the word black, I automatically think that they're going to associate something negative with it. Hmm. Thinking about the black race, right? And I put race in quotes for everybody out there in replay land on Clubhouse and listening on podcasts. So, uh, but at the same exact time, right, at the same exact time with Del Sol, Lin Lin, um, and, and Naomi, as far as the certain energy and frequency upon which you vibrate, I purposely was went into this um, tent that was brandishing the Confederate flag. And my girlfriend said, girl, you don't want to go up in there. That's all racist up in there. I was like, mm, that seems like a place for me. So I went on up in there with my jolly self and everyone treated me as equally the same with kindness, extending help as anyone else in that tent. And I was the only melanated person because of the energy that I brought. So, you know, um, I don't know who it was that said, I, maybe it was Naomi. I don't know who it was that said, a couple of people said it actually, is that it starts from within, you know, this, how do we, and we're coming up in a second hour already. Oh, so how do we resolve this? What is the solution? And the solution is the responsibility for each and every one of us to go within. I think Lori had mentioned that everybody knows this already. So, um, yeah. So, you were going to say something or are you going to go on to the second question? Um, no. Yeah. Let's, 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 let's keep it, keep it moving. And as far as the, the, yeah, one, let's keep it hour, rolling. the one hour, two hour, like, I mean, I don't think it's not a hard line. I don't think we should start talking faster and you know, all that kind of stuff. Let's just roll through it and we'll, and we'll, we'll get to, we'll get to the finish line. And when we get there. Would you guys mind if I, if I build a little bit on what you just said? Yeah, go right ahead. Okay. I'll try to be quick. <laughs> 
And no, then take your time. Ask this opportunity because you know, obviously, you said that we're going to get to a point in this conversation where we're looking at the solution, and I think we're giving that as we're having these shares. So um, I talked about being a high-level observer, right, and that affecting things versus the other way around. And then Del Sol perfectly came in with a demonstration of how that looks in his life. He says, I really don't get affected by it because I have this power that I can transmute. So for people who may, you know, I feel that we're all of the same mindset, but what about people who don't see it that way? What about people who they, they have no connection or no, no understanding or understanding of this oneness that we're talking about? And what do they mean by going within? So um, what came up for me was uh, it's a book that I love and we've read it so many times in the Ascension community. It's called Frequency, The Power of Personal Vibration. So that's what Del Sol described to me. He understands and knows he has a power of his personal vibration. Um, but there's a line in that book that I love, 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 and I say it every chance I get, so I'm happy I can say it again. The line in that book says, the feeling of separation is a choice to suffering. Hmm. So I'll say it again. The feeling of separation. It doesn't say separation is a choice. It says the feeling of separation. So when Tezra was speaking about, you know, every time I see this word, then I start feeling this or I start, it's the feeling of separation. So that immediately tells me separation is an illusion, hmm. but we have energy and that gets in motion. So our emotions are tied to our feelings. And if we feel separated, then that's when the suffering comes in. But the book overall is teaching about the power of your personal vibration. It's as simple as making a choice. And so all of the all of the examples that Koa brought in about being stopped by the police, obviously you're gonna feel anxious because we've been trained. This is what happens when you get stopped by the police. I, I served as a police officer, a military police investigator, even in the military. And one thing that we you know, were taught is that you ask questions a certain way. If someone, if, you, if a police officer pulls you over and says, hey, did you see that stop sign back there? We immediately think, oh my gosh, I ran a stop sign. We are traveling in our mind. Remember, everything's happening in our mind. So we're automatically thinking, I ran a stop sign. I am going to get in trouble. But all they asked was, did you see it? That's a yes or no. See? So when we can can allow our energy to be the controller, because we, what manifests, for us is what we radiate. So as Koa and as others have, have described, I radiate this feeling of unity or this feeling of oneness. I radiate this feeling. That's what's gonna reflect back to you. Life happens as you, whatever that vibration is, that will reflect back to you. So it is something that's possible for everyone. It doesn't require a certain belief system. It doesn't require a certain amount of education. It doesn't require a certain level of experience. All it requires is a choice. So I just wanted to, to stop there for a second because I feel like the solution was being displayed, but for everyone, they may not see that as easily as some of us who have had these experiences and have been doing this inner work that we talked about.
So thank you for letting me build. <laughs> Uh, thank you. Thank you for bringing. No, you don't. <laughs> Lynn, Lynn, that was the, that was a DJ horn, just, just so you know. <laughs> but um, thank you for bringing that part up, right? Mm -hmm. Because I tend to live in a bubble too, because I live in New York, first of all. So you talk about a melting pot and where my eyes are just open and, you know, so but what about the folks who don't have that setting or who, whose mind is not there? And so that book, The Frequency, and so I, we will also put that in the show notes for the podcast so people that can have that reference um, because it is important for people to be aware of this knowledge that's out there that can spark that remembrance in them. So thank you. Thank you for that. I'll hold my comment. Go ahead, whoever wants to talk. Oh no, I think go ahead. We're gonna keep keep it rolling. We have some more some more questions. Um, yeah. Uh, so go ahead with the second question. Oh, okay. Um, so we've talked about you know I, I mentioned earlier um, so the seventy fifth anniversary of this international holidays you know everything's been going on for years and years and decades and centuries and it just keeps on rolling and people like uh, ourselves and others are, you know we're, we're we're gonna bring all this nonsense to a close and and we're gonna realize and wake up that unity is what it is and we're gonna do all that but we still ain't been doing it so my question is. Um, why does this division tactic still work? Like, why have it, why isn't the, the domino effect spread wider and faster to more people? Like, why does this still work? Why is it so ingrained? So anyone want to chime in, dive in and on why? I think, I think, I think someone said it earlier when there's, when they said there's, there's money to be made by the separation and that's the number one driver for a great many things in this world today. If there's a continuous separation, there's going to be one person or one faction wanting to be better and make more and keep the other faction subservient and lower so they can continuously make more and more off of that. So it is a way to keep the separation alive. And what better way is to teach it in the schools? as you ingrained, as you know, um, it is required by law that we educate our kids in the school system. And we have to go through a whole different process to educate our kids at home. They almost make it impossible to do so, where you have to have two working incomes to make ends meet nowadays. So both parents are gonna be out, both parents, when they're out, you have to take your kids to school. And that's a great way to start. And what we need to do as elders is to retrain our kids, ourselves, into understanding what's being taught. It's not really the truth. And the truth is like going within. Way back when we understood each other as tribes, we recognized other tribals by the markings, the colors, the paintings, the feathers, the feathers we wore, the bracelets, everything. That's how we recognize tribes. And 
with the, each tribe, there's a certain attribute attached to that. And that's what we're going. We're going towards teaching the old ways to the new. And that's the way of really untraining and unlearning the entire process of separation and division. Because when all tribes gather, they gather in harmony and unity and huge celebration in honor of each other. And that's how we eliminate and that's how we're going is gathering the tribes as one, one more time, because mm. the old ways are coming back and there's no way it's going to be slow, but we're getting there because the kids that are being born nowadays, they're emotionally driven and no amount of indoctrination that you can put on them. They're just resilient and they are hard-headed as and they will not be beaten into submission i know that for a fact and i have one of those just, yeah it's just going out there that's and that's what's coming and we have to roll with that we have to change we have to go within and understand that hey the old ways are coming back it's no longer closing your eyes but literally teaching what's inside Mm. Absolutely. Awesome. We DJ DJ sounding all, all day here. We had the we had the buttons. Goodness. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Um, I, I wanted to build on that a little bit because um the reason why the tactic still works today is because it is a driving force of the media, mainstream media, right? Whenever there is a story. That is to be shared in the media. There are certain times when the skin hue is mentioned, and there are certain times when it isn't mentioned. And I took notice of this. So there was um, there was a mass shooting, like two mass shootings in one day. I think it was last year or something. And I I was listening. Here's my conditioned mind, right? I'm listening. Actively listening for them to mention the race, air quotes. Actively listening. They never mentioned it. And I said, oh, well, why didn't they not mention race? And it was because this particular shooting was melanated, all melanated. So they couldn't slant it with embedding the fear again of this illusion of separation and division. The other shooting, however, they mentioned the race. And I have a little, because it was um, a European descendant um, who shot up a grocery uh, store in Buffalo, which was um, predominantly melanated people. And, um, and so then there you go. You have, you know, when I have that opportunity to drive that message of that illusion of separation and division of a certain group of people being targeted. I have a very interesting thing here. I don't know if you all remember the Atlanta shooting that happened a couple years ago when the um, young man, he shot up like he went into the um, spa. Oh, Lillian, you're in Atlanta. So you remember this. All right. So automatically, the press tried to spin it as um, Asian hate. Automatically. 
Why? Because a European descendant opened fire on an Asian community. So therefore, it has to be nothing else but the fact that they are from the Asian continent, right? So I have written here that um, what happened. So I just want to read this really quickly, or, or not so quickly. I just want to read it. <laughs> so the brazen shootings, which took the lives of six women of Asian descent, stirred considerable outrage and fear in the Asian American community. Investigators said they had not ruled out bias as a motivating factor, even as the suspect denied such racial animus once in custody. The suspect told the police that he had a sexual addiction and had carried out the shootings at the massage parlors to eliminate his temptation. The authorities said on Wednesday, he also said that he had frequented massage parlors in the past and launched the attacks as a form of vengeance. All but one of the victims were women, the police said. Isn't that interesting? How the police still was like, yeah, but we can't say that you did it because of their ethnicity. When he's, he sat up here and said, no, it was because I needed to be free of my sexual addiction because I'm not supposed to feel like this because it's tabooed in the society and I'm a creep. And so therefore I need to get rid of the people who are making me feel this way. Hmm. So that is the reason why this tactic still works today is because they're steadily and also I want to say I don't victimize or villainize anyone people are just doing what they do to get along to accomplish whatever agenda that they need to accomplish okay I just have to say that so anyway so I just wanted to point that out that this is how this tactic still works today because they're still very committed to driving this propaganda and this agenda even when the person says no and they cite the reason what their motivation was. So there you have it. That's another reason. And to me, the real problem is that man's shame. And nobody's dealing with anyone's shame. You know, and that's what we talk about going within. We have to deal with our own shame. And then when somebody else says, well, I did this because I'm ashamed of it. Then everybody else goes, well, what am I ashamed of? And then they have to self-reflect. And I find that very common in white people to be not a thing they like to do <laughs> is that self-reflection of their Going own in, shame. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Mm, that's interesting. Kat, can we hear from you? You can. Um, <laughs> that was yeah. an interesting story that you read. Uh, I didn't know what, sometimes I feel like I'm cynical. I'm like, can we really change this? Um, and I think that's why the hope is on the children, because I agree, all, all the changes from within, and we become the energy, we bring the energy, but we still can't actually change anyone else. And there's, I think it still exists, it's beyond money, it's power, it's control, it's fear. And, you know, to what Lori said, that fear, a lot of times, is inside, you know, because of the shame and other things in our own, you know, the way we've been raised or the things we've been exposed to, so that if we keep doing the inner work and hopefully other people will do that also as you know we bring that but some of the hope is with the the children that keep being born in like the soul said right because they're coming in wiser more empathic with each generation I mean I see the difference even between my 30 and 32 year old stepsons and my 
like teens and 20 year olds than my little nieces and nephews. Like it's just each generation, they're more powerful, they're quicker, they they see people as whole beings, you know, as beings of light more than people in my generation in the 50s. So I, I think that it's um, you know, we just keep doing the work and knowing that in some areas it's going to be challenging because people don't want to change. You know, a lot of people don't want to look at themselves and they won't be familiar with the book, The Frequency. But if we can just keep showing up and doing this and having conversations and bridging the gap um, and teaching our kids and the younger generations to be open and aware, I mean, maybe that's part of it. Um, I, I don't want to sound cynical, but I see some of the people around me and I, um, you know, I think we just keep doing what we're doing. And the ripple effect will happen. It might not be in my lifetime, but it will happen. And, you know, just quickly, Kat, thank you for bringing the cynicism into it because that's a real thing, right? Um, hold on one second. I just want to make sure I didn't lose anybody. Okay, yeah, still there. Um, cynicism is a real thing, you know, and especially in the, the light healing world, the spiritual workers, um, not that we try to put on airs that cynicism isn't there, but we don't really talk about it or highlight it. You know, and it's almost as a spiritual bypassing, which it could be, you know, very dangerous when we're doing the work because it's about embracing it all. It's about embracing that darkness um, if you want to put cynicism underneath darkness or whatever it is. Um, but when we, when we face it, when we own it, then that's when we remove the power from it and the power now dwells within us. It's the things that we don't want to see that are lurking in the corners, lurking in the shadows. When we don't want to see it, that's when it gains all of its power. And it's just like pulsating, pulsating larger and larger and larger. The more and more that we don't recognize it and we don't look at it head on, face on, stare it down. Because when we do that, it has no choice but to dwindle and disintegrate. And just really quickly, I wanted to really highlight, Naomi, did you want to jump in here before I highlight something? You can, you can go ahead, beloved, I'm, I'm coming back in. I'm just kind of trying to navigate. Oh, you're multitasking. That's right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what I really wanted to highlight is that how much this racial construct is fictitious that it is truly a man-made thing. And if it's a man-made thing, that means it was created. And if it was created, that means it can't be destroyed. Because, um, yeah, man is very limited in that way. So here is something that Audrey Smetley wrote. And I think this is when she was in an interview. Let me see. Yeah, interview with Audrey Smetley. So she's talking about race as an ideology, um, but she says here, and then the idea that all of this is inherited. People don't only inherit their biological features, but they also inherit their moral and temperamental and intellectual features. And it stays with us right into the 21st century. So not only are all of these features inherited, but they are not transcendable. You can't change racial populations, 
you can't change. Racial populations, individual races, and individual people cannot change their race. So there's no way in which you can transcend this identity. Once you are identified as a socially low-status race, you remain so forever. This is what the motive behind creating race was. Because they were like, hmm, what can we do that, um, that is unchangeable? How can we begin to put people in an inferior status that they can't do anything about? Well, in this lifetime, I can't do anything about my skin, right? I can't go to the doctor and say, give me a skin transplant. And I, you know, and I, I, I want to be a, a low melanated European descendant skin tone. You can't do that. So the fact that this was deliberately done because they knew that people, if we keep, if we keep telling people that you are like this because you look like that and you are like this because you look like that, they're going to believe it. They're going to start to believe it. And then when they start to believe it, our work is done. Because it's never about the skin color. It's never been about that. It's about how they made us think, feel, and believe about the skin color to bring these frequencies and these energies and these experiences based on that about. So I just really, habit. really wanted to. And to, create, huh? and to create habit. It's like what you said. Once, once it's implemented, it's self-sustained. You run it yourself, you pass it on, you know, you, you, you're going to just run with this programming. So it's not like we have to just keep on, you know, you, you keep at it, you keep re reinforcing it, but people perpetuate it themselves upon themselves in their own minds. Like what Lin Lin said, it's how you, you feel a certain way. You just said the same thing. You feel that way. And as long as we can get that to be established and great, you, you can take that snowball and let it roll downhill and, and boom. Keeps on going and going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this is this is how we know that this whole race thing, this whole black, white, yellow, brown, um, whatever other colors are out there, is all a man-made construct because our source, our creator, never made a distinction based upon that. So when we return to that then we begin to find a solution to ending racial discrimination. Now, let me say we this. have to return to source. Yeah, yeah. Let me say this as I had this on my mind, and this is a little uh, off, off script, but definitely on topic. If you have, like what you said earlier, Lori, like all, you know, red, white, black, ye yellow, like if, if, if that's what race means, according to this you know the, whatever it's invented it's a construct there's a there's a there's a um there's a, an agenda behind it we got all that whole backstory but if we're going to just now fast forward and here we are today and we're accepting the black race has to do this and the white race has to do that if race means these colors then what does the human race mean what does the human what does race mean if you can say human race and that means everybody but then you have is that supposed to, are they trying to pitch that it has multiple definitions in terms of, it, it means everybody, but it also means groups? Is that what, how's, how's the, the term human race make sense if it had, if, if the real definition is this, these color categories? What does human race mean? Because that, I don't, that, that's the, I'm really stumped by 
those two things coexisting. If anybody wants to chime in on how can the human race mean all of us, but we also have to say race means categories of people. I do, I do, I do. Yes, <laughs> I was so excited when I heard you say that because I was thinking, I was sitting here going, oh my gosh, that may be too deep what you're thinking, Lynn. Whew. So, oh gosh, the question, the original question was, why does it still exist, right? Or why, why does race still? So my, my initial answer is because we don't know who we are. We don't know who we are. We don't know what we are. So previously in the conversation, we talked about the power of personal vibration. So because we don't know who we are or what we are or that we have this power, um, then others who know that will begin to use it. So it's as simple as putting something in front of you and saying, okay, choose. It doesn't matter what you choose as long as you participate, mm -hmm. as long as you choose. So if we put this idea of race in front of you or any type of division, we don't care which side you go on. We just want you to choose because in your choosing, your energy gets to power up this whole facade about separation <laughs> and division, right? So human, my own personal definition of human is a manifestation of this God source, all, whatever, if you believe in a monotheist uh, approach, or even if you believe multiple de deities, there is a substance to it all. So that manifests itself in a hue, in an appearance, in light. So now you have the hue that is a manifestation, the human, which is the whatever you want to call that thing, representing itself on earth as it is in heaven, or however you want to say that. <laughs> so we are in its image, right? So if it is the creator, so are we. This is how we create, with our vibration, with our energy. If we are not aware of that, then we still create, but below our awareness. Yes. So this is when others will utilize and usurp our energy to create whatever world they choose. Hmm. Now, because humans can create, I think the race is, and I like what Naomi said, Naomi said about, or Naomi said about, she thinks running. <laughs> I think the true race is the human or God manifested in form against what we have created as a separate race. So mm. I wrote this the other day, it came to me actually yesterday, when a world is built to feel as real as your world, then what would your reality be then at that point? So we can look all around us and see inorganic things that we have created. We have created a duplicate of ourselves. We've created artificial intelligence. We've created artificial people even. And so they have to eat too. So we've created artificial food. We've manufactured all types of things. And so now it's almost like creating a, a beast and the beast goes rogue and now you can't contain it. So is it really a race of man, human against what I call the machine? So we are constantly seeing where we are being encouraged to not tap into this knowledge, this awareness of who we really are. So we're 
presented all of these things that are fake, all of these inorganic things, and we subscribe to them. We eat them, we consume them with our minds, we consume them through our mouth, we consume them through our ears, and then we become the thing that we eat. Don't they say you are what you eat? We become that. So you can look on social media and see people. People can create their bodies nowadays. They can create their face nowadays. They can create whatever they want to be uh, something that gives them the feeling of what they're looking for, right? But it's an artificial. It's not authentic. It's not the, it's not, it's not, it's, it's separating you from the connection or the oneness of you. So I think if we go a little deeper, it, we may realize that this whole thing about color is just to keep you thinking that that's the race that it's about, mm -hmm. right? Because even now we're being told, oh, don't subscribe to anything human. Oh no, you're a cat. Oh no, children are being educated. You're, you're, you're this animal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Anything other than what you truly are. So who are you? And what are you? Because if you don't know, somebody else will know. We have a room in our community, and I'll, I'll hush after this, um, that's called the way of mastery. And I always say, we have to know the way, right, of mastery, because if we don't master ourselves, we will get mastered. And I think that's what we're seeing in different, you know, it has to be deployed, you know, in multiple ways at the same time. Otherwise, if it's linear, if it happens, you know, in, in an order, then you might pick it up. You might realize, oh, wait, this is, you know, but if it's deployed out there in all these different areas, then, then you won't catch it right away. And it's very subtle. It's very subtle. So even the United Nations who's created this day, and you said it was created years ago, well, what are the measurable results of whatever it is that they've been doing all this time? So is it gaslighting the human race that, oh, we care about race? <laughs> By the way, um, we're going to say that the United States got this vice president. Oh, but they have to tell you that she's African-American, Jamaican, yep. Asian, Indian, and all of these things. So they're constantly putting race out there for you to yep. have it here. Why couldn't it just be, we got another vice president? <laughs> yes. You know? Yep. So it's the subtlety in it. It's the subtlety. And because of the trauma, cultural trauma, the trauma of what people subscribe to is race because of those past events. It's almost like doing, doing um, you know, shadow work or something. It's like childhood trauma, cultural trauma. The stories that we've been told we have connected to, we have aligned with, and now that is a part of us. We have become that. So they feed on that. They use that. And they say, oh, um, you're not black if you don't vote for me. Oh, wait a minute. If you vote for this guy, then you're Uncle Tom. Wait a minute. Well, if you if you're not marching in the streets and protesting, then you don't you you're you're Uncle Tom because you don't believe Black Lives Matter and everybody's life should matter, but our life really should matter and whatever. So it's like they've already created the landscape, and you take it, you take the program that was designed for you, and you run on it without realizing that oh wait, I can stop this program, I can redesign a program, and I can run on my own program. Like the guy um, in the movie Free Guy, which is another thing I love. Free Guy. If you ever watch it, you probably know what I'm saying. He was a non-character player in a video game until he gained an awareness. Like, wait a minute, there's, there's more to me. There's more to this. And then he began to reprogram and play the game his own way.
So each person, I think, has to get to a point of doing that self-assessment, that self-reflecting work, that inner work, that self-awareness work that we keep talking about, to go back to the beginning of why did you feel triggered when you saw the word black? Why did you feel the way that you felt when you saw this, when, 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 your, when your black son brought home a white girl? Why did you feel like, you know, this person is going to treat you this way just because you're a white person, but you're in a black neighborhood? What, what was the original story that you told yourself? What was the event? And it could not, it may not have been yours. It may have been what was passed on to you. So we have to see this as not just a human thing, but humans are operating off of the non-physical part of them, the energy, the spiritual part or whatever you want to say that presents itself in a hue. So we see the appearance of what's really happening below the surface. So what was it at the very beginning that taught you separation? Go back there and, and address that. I think that's why race continues to show up. It continues to live because they keep putting it out there for us such like a meal. They put out the dinner and we start eating it because <laughs> we pay attention. We give, we pay our attention to whatever it is they present. And that's all yep. they need. They don't care if you believe in black or white. They don't care. As long as you pay attention to what they're putting out there and you make a choice to feed it. So if we starve something, it doesn't live. If we feed it, it lives. Okay, I'm shut my mouth now. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you for that. And this is what I used to say this in the beginning of the mental rehab lab to starve the monster of racism because you can't starve it if you don't feed it with your energy. Right, Kat? Because we talk about everything is energy. Racism is nothing but energy. And what you talked about, Lin-Lin, earlier, when you talked about um, we don't know who we are, and when we don't know who we are, then that gives others a chance and an opportunity to prey on our power. That was the basis of slavery. And that's why slavery was so successful. Because the message was driven and driven and driven into the slaves where they got further and further and further away from the knowledge of who they are. Because trust me, if they began to wake up and realize who they were, oh, that would not have landed, lasted long at all. That would have been a one, two, three knockout. I just wanted to say um, what I continue to teach is no one gets to define you and put you in a box. No one gets to cognize you, no matter what you believe. You get to define yourself. And that is like Lyndon says, it's going inward and doing the work and finding out the attributes of you, all aspects of you, past, present, and future that makes you this unique individual here on this planet. No one gets to define you. Can I say one more thing to that dull soul? So now I'm sure probably Lynn does this too. You know how if you go to a hospital or something or you go into, I don't know, someplace where you got to fill out paperwork and they want you to define who you are by you checking a box? Well, y'all know I don't check no boxes, right? And then if they put other I say, because there was the last one I did, it was like an HIV test or something. And it was like, you know, what race are you? And I, I checked other. And so 
the guy was like, oh, you, you checked other. And so what I wrote was, I'm a human race. That's what I am. I obliterate boxes. I don't fit in your box no more. No, sir, no, ma'am. So, oh, my gosh. Let me no, see. I might start putting. I have to jump off here. I have to go pick up my little man. Okay, Del Sol, thank you so much for being here. Oh, gosh, if we could give him a clap. I don't have my... This has been a beautiful, fun conversation, and I'm looking forward to listening to the rest of it. Wish I can contribute, but I got to hit and run, go pick up my little man. Um, but I know you guys will have fun and enjoy. So again, thank you for the invite. I'm honored to be here. Um, and I look forward to having another discussion. I love it. That was love awesome. You thank you, Dustin. Yeah, thank, thank you, you. thank you, thank you for your your contribution to this. Thank you for your contribution to this. Thank you for the light language. Thank you for your presence, your energy. Much appreciated, brother. So beautiful. Thank you for helping us make this happen, Del Sol. Thank you so much. And I'm gonna see you in those clubhouse streets, my brother. Okay. Um. Yes. Yeah, so let's keep going. Where were we? Um. I I think. Um. I mean, I, I there's there's another question here, but I mean. Based yeah, on what I was listening to, yeah, I think that I would like to just ju we can jump into the next part of it uh, if you're okay with that. I think we're yeah, I'm totally cool with that. Okay. Um, but is there any other bills that we want to do? Um, you know, whenever I hear and Koa knows this, whenever I hear so and so and so and so, the first black. So and so and so and so, the first eight. So I'm like, and people are just jumping on that, pouncing on it, just eating it up, right? Like Linda was talking about, just eating it up. Oh, yeah, go, girl. You represent this, just eat it all up. But we don't understand that that is still a form of subtle racism. Mm -hmm. Because true equality means that you don't have to say anything about the person's skin color. If you want to say anything, say that the person is a barrier breaker. But when we continue to subscribe to when they're saying, and like Leland was saying, the, the vice president, right? Okay, so if you want to say the lowest I will go is female. That's the lowest I'm going to get. So if you want to say the first female vice president or the first female president, okay, cool, stop there. Because let me tell you something. If Hillary Clinton was the vice president, that's where it would have stopped. That's the sign of true equality. We don't have to continue to define a person's achievement by the hue of their skin. Yeah, and you know, it, it actually would ring out how it doesn't sound quite right if it was done. Oh my goodness, Hillary Clinton, the first white female they would be like wait what it doesn't even have that same thing to it for some reason it'd be like wait why did they say that it would actually poke a little hole in this little matrix we live in and you start to see oh wait they do mention things just to be mentioning things uh you know just to keep people rat rattled up and, and and wrapped up in this nonsense because you, it, it wouldn't sound right if you said that you would just say first female vice president first female president if she won the presidency first female president you would it would sound weird First white female president. <laughs> like, wait a minute. Oh, so I guess it would sound weird because it hasn't been another kind of 
female president. Maybe that's it. But I still, I don't usually hear that in any category. The first uh, white swimmer to to, to win the, the this award or whatever, to break that record. It's like, it just doesn't come up. It seems like it's done purposely uh, in other ways for other um, cultures that's mentioned on, on, quite on purpose. And it just sounds weird if you did it another way. Yeah, it, it does sound weird because of our conditioned ears. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, you know what I'm really looking for and how and this would be a sign that um, Kat was speaking to earlier about how and we do have a question about this too coming up, but about how we are looking forward to the children who are coming up to help to usher this change in. Because if you notice, um, well, Lori and, and Kat, you, you may not notice because you may not travel in the melanated circles as much as, you know, I do. But um, whenever there is a group of melanated people, right, we are so conditioned that we have to bring our race into the conversation at some point. So whether or not I'm at a restaurant networking event, and we're all in the restaurant industry talking restaurant shop talk, right? Eventually, somebody has to say, I want to help black, black businesses. And I'm like, and I, and I said, well, you know, I don't, I don't do black business. I just do business. Because there's no such thing as a black business. Just like there's no such thing as black love. There's no, no such thing as black dollars. This is this, and we think that we're bucking against the system, not realizing that we're still working underneath the conditioning of the system. Supporting it. When you are on an equal playing, when you are on an equal playing field, you don't have to mention the hue of your man at all. Just be. Tesra, what would you say on this, on like on a balancing scale? Because I see class system, the system of class, as maybe even more of the cause of racism. It's a classism because what we're seeing now is poor. If you're poor, you're going to have these experiences. And the middle class is going away. And then we'll have the upper class. And you're going to fit into one of those two eventually. And, oh, yes. Please go, because I'm at a loss. Laura, because you just made a great point that I always think about. And Kat and Naomi, Lin Lin, tell me if you guys ever uh, think about this too. Koa, you too. Okay. So I live in New York, right? And just like every other major metropolitan city, there is a large population of homelessness, right? Of drug-addicted people. I see both low-melanated and melanated people out there. Is race a distinction on that level? Does anybody care? Are they sitting over here having a discussion that, man, with your white privilege, you can get better heroin than me? That discussion is not happening on that level. On the millionaire, billionaire status, do you think that they're up in there in their chambers talking about, man, your white this and you black people, do you think that's happening at that level? No, it's only happening, we're sandwiched in between the two because you're right, it is about classism. It's all about money. 
and where the power is. And I think somebody said more than money is power. I don't know if that was Kat or Lin Lin. Kat. Yeah. So it's about. With with Lin Lin saying, talking about consumption, because I'm a binge eater. Well, from the past. But now that I'm not a binge eater anymore, I notice everything else I binge on as well. So that's my real addiction is binging and finding that core trauma that has always caused me to binge. And honestly, chasing the American dream of more is better is a flat out lie. And I think that might have even been where my binging started was that you mm-hmm. got to go after it. You've got to go after it. So with Lynn saying about the consumption, which I do think about often, but also the competition and the need to conquer. Hmm. All that needs to be, you know, definitely self-reflection on everyone. Like, what is your competition rate? And uh, and then, je- and why are you competing? Are you competing out of jealousy or other of these negative attributes that you carry a shadow if they get out of control? Hmm. I think it's the oppression Olympics for me. Like- <laughs> It's the, you know, I'm more oppressed and this is why and this is the history behind it. And, yes. you know, <laughs> all of the Mary, Mary Martin, Martin Luther King speeches that we like to create for ourselves. But that was one of the biggest things that um, that I identified. And, you know, America is very different from the UK. Um, I mean, I've been to New York and <laughs> it was definitely a culture shock in terms of just the um, the exposure of, you know, um, poverty. But one thing that's common is that poverty doesn't have a colour. Like, it really doesn't have a colour. It doesn't have, um, you know, a belief system, a religion. It doesn't have any of those things. And I feel like, going back to my earlier point about um, the fragility of society. Um, I think that is the biggest issues. Like we're dealing with a fragile society that um, needs to see itself as a victim and needs to be validated as a victim. And it needs someone to become a savior to come and save them from themselves <laughs> rather than actually, you know, how can we actually prevent ourselves from being a victim altogether. How about that? Like, how do we empower ourselves as a humanity, as a people, to where we don't have to keep this fragmented consciousness that keeps us in these uh, constant cycles and loops? Oh, I'm about to say, I think that seals it. We got to have that DJ horn for sure. Uh, Just ready to roll. Wait, hold on. (laughs) Wait. I, I figured out I could just do this on Clubhouse, y'all. <laughs> like, what did you just hit? Did you just hit like, chicken sound? What was it? There we go. There we go. <laughs> um, Kat is about to um, leave us. And uh, so I just want to give her the mic uh, one more time so that she can share whatever is on her, whatever is on her heart. Or um, I also have a question. But... Um, Oh, the oppression Olympics. I love that. I love that, Naomi. Thank you for that. Because, and and also just really quickly, Kat, you know, we are told about what to be offended by. They are dictating to us what to be mad about. 
And, and this is another form of that division, that illusion of division is keeping it going. But if we stop and say, you know, am I really mad? Do I really care? And I probably be really don't care um, that Will slapped um, Chris. I mean, it wasn't me. Um, I, I probably really don't care, you know, at the end of the day. But they always want to weave in, oh, um, the skin color. Because I don't know if you guys followed the conversations, but at one point, and I was hoping that it didn't come, it took a little bit for it to happen, but of course, it fell in the lap of black race and what that meant and, and yada, yada, yada. And, and, and also, there's a few people, and I'm actually going to do a clubhouse room on this, um, and Chris Rock ended his comedy special with it when he said, what do you say his mother said, don't fight in front of he white was raised people. right, and yeah. we were taught we don't fight in front of white people. Slam the mic! I just said something crazy, and everybody stand up and clap. So you, so you can't be human. <laughs> so you can't be human with emotions in front of white people. It's like, guys, we have to start seeing the absurdity of this all. Uh, but Kat, I want to give the mic to you. Do you have a question for me, or I do? do to... okay. okay. So, um. There, do you have time for two questions? Yeah, I have a room at three that I'm leaving. So. Okay, okay. So I, I just, I, I'll just do one. Okay, one. so what do you... Okay, so every generation says we must make a change for the generation behind us. And no generation has accomplished this. Can we be the first? That's an interesting question. You mean the generation behind us, like my mom's generation? No, no, um, I'm sorry, the generations after Generations us. to come, you know, for the next generation. So can we make a change for them? Yeah. I think we can, but I think it's what people have been saying. You know, some of the work I do is self-mastery. So we have to change it within us and model it for them. Mm -hmm. I mean, because we can't you know, hit them over the head with a hammer and change them. We have to be that change. We have to model it. And if we don't, then I don't think we can change them. Mm -hmm. I think that's the only way. Ah, uh, I, I agree. Okay. So you got time for one more question because you nailed that one and knocked that out of yeah. the box. Cause I, I totally <laughs> agree. And, um, um, so what's the best way to awaken people without using mainstream media? Like what can we do to awaken people? Because mainstream media is going to be limited. Then we can only get so far. Um, hmm, another good question. I don't know. I've been like rejecting mainstream media for the last two and a half years. Like in my own little bubble, I hardly watch it. So I feel like I'm ignorant to so much of what's going on there. Of course, there's so many other media sources. Um, I think it's something like you're doing now, this grassroots stuff where we have the conversations and try to engage other people because Nobody wants to be told that they're racist or doing something wrong or inappropriate. So if we, depending on the energy that we bring to it and the awareness, um, you know, and just have those conversations. And as they come up naturally, you know, I, I was with a, a new friend recently and he was, um, he was upset by the phrase Black Lives Matter. And we had a conversation about it and it's someone I'm getting to know. And so instead of having a judgment about it either way, we just talked, you know? And so if I can let down my guard or my own opinions and just hear where someone else's is coming from, I can choose to respond differently. Uh, but I think when we 
when we make people feel judged and we, you know, just like our own biases and prejudices because how we've been trained or brought up is there. We, we have to do that work in ourselves where we're not automatically judging people for any reason. And that's hard, you know, because we are dualistic beings. Like that's part of being human. But if we can take that deep breath, become, learn to become more mindful in whatever tool or path that works for us and just hear what people and try to understand where they're coming from, then maybe we have different language or a different bridge that we can build with them to help them see the world differently um, and help them remember who they really are. You know, that's the work. That is the work. And if we make if we make them feel wronged in any way, even though we might believe that, you know, their actions aren't the best, I don't think we have a chance to reach them. So I don't know. That's my thoughts. That's, I, the, and I, I am totally in, in alignment with your thoughts. So Kat, well, how, how can people connect with you? Where, they can, where can they find you? And what has this day meant for you? And uh, can we make this day a lived reality? Um, so thank you for asking. People can find me at catmolton.com or Instagram, Facebook, all the places, Cat K-A-T. Um, what is his well, name? name for them? Molton, M-O-U-L-T-O-N. Or they can find me at Creatrix TV, um, Creatrix.tv. I have a little show there. Um Creatrix with a K. K-R-E-A-T-R-I-X dot TV. Dot TV. Um what is this day meant for me? It's funny because um, it's meant some awareness for me and connection on a different level with people that I don't know. And I appreciate being invited here. One of the things I work with, and I'm sure a lot of you do after hearing it, is synchronicity, right? Um, and blind people keep showing up in my life, people who can't see. And so a couple of people who've reached out to be on my show and in my clubhouse room. And so the question, the inner question is like, where am I blind? What can I not see? You know, um, what am I not looking at? What am I not seeing and understanding? And I think, you know, this day has just, you know, meeting you all and connecting just brought more perspective to my life um, and how else I can show up. And, you know, there's many things I don't know. I, I mean, I don't have your backgrounds. There are differences, obvious difference. And it's just, you know, what am I willing to see? What am I willing to open my eyes to? And I, and I invite that question to everybody, you know, on their path, especially if they want to bridge these connections and these gaps. I don't know. Thanks for having me. Beautiful, beautiful, Kat. Thank you so much for joining us and being with us today, Kat. I'm so happy that you were available and made yourself available because you really did uh, make this a rich conversation with your contributions. So thank you, Kat. And I will see you in your room, everybody. This is Kat Moulton. You can find her in Everything is Energy Club. Thank you, Kat. Bye, everyone. Have a great rest of the conversation. Okay, thank you. Um, okay, so there we have Lori, Lynn, Lynn, and Naomi. Um, so we're actually coming to the, the end of the show. Um, before we go into these other questions, is there anybody who wants to share anything before, um, I share what's things that I, I think about oftentimes? Sure. Um, I wanted to share some things. It didn't really matter where it happened. It could be now or it could be at the end, but I, you know, I'll just jump in right now. I'm curious um, 
have you, has, has anyone heard of, uh, let me see if I get this right, Scala Nature? Nature? Am I saying that right? Nature? Anyone heard of that? Okay. I haven't. So that is a term from that that was came up with. Um, I'm not sure what year it was exactly, but this was a. It was like a an ideology. Well, they really tried to turn it into if this is science, this is how it is. That's really what it is. It's it is an ideology, but they tried to pass it off as fact and the way life works and science works, and that's the great chain of being is another name for that. Um, it's S-C-A-L-A, Scala, and Nature, or Naturi. In It's almost like a playoff of nature, N-A-T-U-R-A-E. And what that means is that, um, that there is a hierarchy to things that exist. Uh, and, and it still exists to this day. Many people, they have it in there, even if it's very subtle, and they don't realize it. Like, for instance, you we you think or we think you know i'm better than a mouse i'm better than a roach i'm better than a mosquito um you know plants i'm better than them you know humans are the highest form of life on this planet and then you have this then you have the apes then you have the that then you that that hierarchy um was was set up in order to justify actually the mistreatment of things and being a person that can, you know, something that can dominate all other things. And so you don't really see yourselves as, um, at, as like trees and plants as your ancestors or as your, as your family, you see it as something that's beneath you, you know? So that hierarchy, that, that, that was the name uh, that they gave to it. Uh, so I just wanted to drop that as a, I don't know if it's fun, but it's a fact, fun fact of uh, just some of the things that people have gone through to try to justify the way they want to behave and act and the, and the, the goals they want to set. Um, and just one other thing um, that, that that's in alignment with that, um, and I wrote this down as a note to myself, um, you know, many people you may have heard, uh, definitely in melanated community, um, are you looking up something, Lori? Oh, no, I was looking at what Lori is putting uh, on okay. the screen. Yeah, definitely in the melanated community, you've heard of the Israelites or the this ones or that people talking about, or even if it's, I don't know, five percenters, Muslim talking about, yep, that's it right there. I mean, uh, gallery. Yeah, there you go. So like this uh th this this idea of the white devils you know these white devils and we we god black man is the original man and we are the god man and you know that kind of thing and you know the these white devils but it's like as much as that gets highlighted um i'd like to kind of point out something that i thought showed the opposite of that um the opposite of 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 these white devils is that actually uh, they, they really, I, I feel like people really acknowledged their own divinity and they understood that there was, that they really had a heart and they really were connected just like the rest of us and had a, had a, a heart, you know, when it comes to even the, the plans of dominating. So you had to come up with reasons and excuses to make it okay, because if it was just okay, you wouldn't need the reasons or the excuses. So I, I found that in what I wrote in here was that slave masters 
um, they 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 had a hard time, you know, deviating from their own divinity. So they needed to find some way to justify inhumane behavior. So that's when they went for this scientifically proving that the Negro is not human. Therefore, it's okay if I treat him a certain way because they're not human anyway. They're subhuman, and you know that that makes it all right. Like, and then you had like this Dr. Samuel Morton come along in the 1830s, saying, "Yep, yep, we figured it out. We opened up a head, and we found out their brain was smaller. So, yeah, uh, own away. Go ahead, enjoy it. Own, uh, treat them how you want. They're kind of like livestock in comparison. So, oh, thank God. Okay, that makes me feel so much better now. I can't. So, if you really were not in touch with that part of you that has that compassion and has that that connection, you wouldn't need a justification. You just be like, no, I know you're human and I don't give a shit. I'm I'm gonna own you and that's what it is. Like I don't care. Like if, if that was really what was the was the deal inside your mind and heart, you would just go for it and just own it and say what it was. But they really had to try to find a way to make it be okay mentally and then the behavior and the pattern and the you know the repetition of that pattern turns you into a sociopath or a psychopath or whatever you know you need to practice it but before you can practice it you had to find a way to make it okay and so that to me actually points out to how how we're connected as weird as it is it shows me that there is that compassion that there is that divinity that there is there and i had to find a way to stray away from it i couldn't just do it because it didn't feel right to just do it it wouldn't be right so because that was against human nature to do something just to do it because by human nature we we cannot be that treacherous or that heinous so you had to find a reason to justify it. And when I was researching for this show, that is another reason why race was created. Because the pseudoscience, they did something called cra- craniometry. And that was a study of skulls. <laughs> and so what the doctor did is Dr. Samuel Morton or somebody like that, he's, uh, he studied skulls and Africans seem to have smaller skulls, which means they have smaller brains, which means they had to be subhuman because they weren't superior or they were inferior to the Europeans who had the bigger skulls and the bigger brains. However, the reason why Africans were the more preferred slave is because they had skill sets that the Irish didn't have, that the Indians didn't have. They were leather makers. They were brick makers. They um, knew how to farm. But yet, they don't have the same intellect. So if we can see, and as we're un- peeling back and, and unpacking this fallacy of race to justify treating people a certain way, and also because they had to divide the lower class, what Lori was talking about earlier. So before this whole race construct was a thing, you had the indentured servers, you had the slaves, you had all of them congregating together. The Irish, the Africans, the in, they were all congregating together. They would all get drunk together, y'all. They would sleep together. They had children, biracial children. But then the slave masters realized, holy shit, if they were to get mad and decide to band together to overthrow us, we can't forget it. It's lights out for us. So that's another reason why race was created. Because, all right, well, now let me divide them. 
So now these people, even though they really are on the same level, but these people think that they are a little higher up than these people. So now let me pit them against one another. Um, yeah, it goes deep. It goes deep, but it just really goes to show that this is all made up. Even though all of the treachery, all of the destruction, all of the devastation that was has happened because of this made-up fallacy, when we really get down with like Lynn said, when we really get deep, let's go, let's go deep to the very unpopular conversations. You guys, this is fake. It's all made up. Um, I do, Dr. Yosef, are you there? Okay, Dr. Yosef is someone who I follow on um, on Clubhouse too. I asked him to join the panel, but at the time he wasn't feeling well. So um, maybe he'll um, be available later. But I just wanted to say thank you to all of the people on Clubhouse who are in the listening room. Um, we have Sar, Indigo, Enolia and Jor, thank you for being here. Um, okay, so did anybody have any bill that they wanted to share? We have another. Did anybody want to answer the question about the generations? Lori, Lynn Lynn. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say about the, I mentioned before earlier, the conscious parenting movement. Because to me, what I see is children are so resilient so that when the parent is learning their own emotional intelligence and, and rising up with that, and their kids are learning it at the same time. So you may do something with your child and you think, oh, no, you know, I, I need to do that differently. Good. That's awareness. Now keep that awareness in you and continue, you know, have the answer for next time. Okay. If that happens again, I'm going to approach it this way. And, um, and that's the way the parents are teaching as they learn. And then the kids will just automatically have that as their foundation when they have children. Yeah. Well, and, and that answers the question. The it's walking your walk or walking your talk. And to me, that's how I quote unquote judge people or use my discernment in evaluating people is, are you walking your talk? Because if you're not, See you later, and maybe I'll check back in and see if you've changed some other time, but I'm going to go this way. <laughs> That's awesome. That was kind of a, a, a little piggybacking of with what Kat said. Like, we have to act, you have to be the change. You have to figure it out, whether that's working with the your, the generation coming after you, like, because they can, they shine a big mirror on you, to, and you can see your shortcomings and all your little uh, idiosyncrasies, and it, it really stands out. So you get a chance to change that and be that change in, in real time. Absolutely. Uh, Lynn, were you going to um, oh. also on this? Yes, thank you. Um, I, I appreciate everybody's uh, share and their perspective. Um, did you want to repeat the question for anyone who may have missed it before? Sure. The generation question, that one? Yes. Okay. Every generation says we must make a change for the generation to come behind us. And no generation has accomplished that yet. Can we be the first? Um, thank you. So I have a slightly different perspective around that, um, the answer for that question. Um, and my son actually opened my eyes to it. So what he said to me was, Mom, your generation is hypersensitive to race. Hmm. 
So what I would say is that it's the generations after us who are teaching us. Mm. It is the children who are teaching us. Huh. Um, if, if we were to go out, any, no matter who we are or what country we're in or what background we come from, and we put a bunch of toddlers in a room together, we probably wouldn't see evidence of racism. We probably wouldn't see evidence of separatism or any type of division. I think when we come into this world, we come from that sense of oneness. And throughout time, we get trained and conditioned and processed um, out of that sense of oneness. So I think that it's not an innate uh, thing for us to be divided. I think that that is something that's learned either through observation or through a direct teaching. So I think, you know, as I look at the generation, so I can speak to my generation and my mothers and my grandmothers, the feeling around race um, has shifted from my grandmother's generation to my generation and even to my son's generation. Um, I think that, you know, if even just looking at the different protests that we've seen over the last couple of years, the majority of what you saw, and I can't really speak to that uh, wholeheartedly because a lot of that was manufactured. Media plays a role in, you know, what they show you, what they choose to yep. show you. Um, and, you know, or people being planted in these protests to make it appear a certain way. But um, I find that the future generations are less concerned about race. I think that it keeps being represented um, with people that, that are my age or generations before me because it was something that you know was a part of their training. And I think that what's happening now is with the newer generations or the younger kids, they're coming in more free. They're coming in um, more, um, I think, in alignment with that oneness. And so they are shaking some things up. The energy that I see is that there's an awakening that's happening. And I actually put this, um, uh, uh, the Ascension community wrote a book together called This Is What I Heard. And in my chapter, which is called Chosen, I mentioned that there is a, an awakening that's occurring in the midst of greed, which we talked about earlier, mediocrity, narcissism, envy, and all of these other entities that have really plagued our society. And I think that awakening has been ushered in by the younger generation. That's just been my view and my perspective. Um, not to say that there aren't things still put out there, but I think that it, it doesn't take as much of a stronghold with the younger generations. And, um, you know, and I had to challenge my own thinking when my son said that to me. He said to me, um, mom, your generation is very hypersensitive to race. Um, I had a concern at one time because he's a young, melanated man. And I thought, well, what if he brought home a white girl? History has shown me this. You know, my uncle went to jail because of a lie that involved a white woman. So that was all training, again, experiences that produce those memories that we then tell a story about and we hold on to that. So then I had to really get real with myself and say to myself, what do you feel about that? Why do you have that perception? Where did that story begin? 
Are you going to pass that energy on to your son? Is he now going to be afraid to love whoever he chooses to love and afraid to come home and say, well, this is the woman that I want to be with and she doesn't look like me. So I had to take my own responsibility in how I think, how I feel, and go back to where that came from. Um, there have been, you know, I was on a show um, uh, on an Oprah Winfrey Network special, and it was specifically talking about, you know, conversations like this. And I remember a friend of mine was on that show as well, and she said, you know, we used to hear if you if she can't use your phone, you can't bring her home. <laughs> and I thought, wow. <laughs> Wow, you know, um, we, we we from past generations have been in this so long that it, it goes without us even being aware. Um, and I had to realize that my own fear of what it could be. So again, everything lives in the mind. And when I started to realize the power of the mind, I realized that I could change the story there, no matter what the story was before. So I spent time now observing children. I spend time observing animals. I see how easy it is for them to let things go. A dog would be happy to see you every time you come in the house. It doesn't matter if you yelled at him five seconds ago, he totally forgot it. It doesn't stay with him. Um, children, they don't care what another child looks like. They don't care what another child has in regards of money or anything else. They just wanna play and be happy and love. So I think the song, that Whitney's saying, I believe the children are our future. And it tells us to teach them well, but I think they're teaching us. They're teaching us to, to go back to what we used to be. So I think um, it works both ways, but I, I think I want to give you know credit to our future that's coming back and saving us. Wow. There we go, DJ Horn. Yeah, no, thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's like um, the question is being posed. We'll, we'll, I almost feel like, um, yeah, because they're so much more open and they they really may be that the, the generation that we're talking about in this question. But it's almost like we're saying like, Will we live to see it? <laughs> we, have to, we might be older and watching them usher in this 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 uh, true change. Um, yeah, because the, the, the politicians that, that come up will be coming from that cloth, like, and they'll have a, a different mindset. They may just be ready to just turn the whole system upside down and have enough of it eventually. But yeah, thank you, Lynn. appreciate that. Um, I just wanted to read some, something in the chat, uh, of clubhouse. Um, Gior said racism is part of the system we are born into the opposite of the energy world. Um, so yeah, absolutely. And I remember Leland saying something last year that really stuck with me or maybe, yeah, about a last year, a little bit more than a year, but it doesn't matter. Anyway, she said that when you move towards something, you're moving away from something else. So as we move toward unity, we're moving away from racial discrimination, from the illusion of separation and division. If we are moving towards the illusion of separation and division, we are moving away from unity. If we are moving towards 
media messaging, we are moving away from ourselves. If we're moving towards ourselves, then we're moving away from what they have subscribed for us. So I really loved um, when you said that. And you gave me chills, Lynn. You gave me chills when you started talking about how would I feel and, and what, you know, what would I be passing on? Because that's exactly what happened. Because I do believe that the children at play that you talked about, how you observe, I do believe that was all, that was all of us. But what was passed on to us was this poisonous thinking. Yeah, I'd like to um, also, uh, now that I remembered it, uh, say thank you, Lynn-Lynn, um, in terms of uh, with kind of going along in alignment with what Lori said. It's like practicing what you what you preach or how you may say something to somebody else. It's like, you got, I have to check myself, you know, just like I'll tell someone, hey, you may have to check yourself on that. How do you think about that? How do you feel about that? And where does this all come from? You know, somebody can hear that and be like, oh, she likes to just tell people how they can get better. And she's like, no, when I have stuff going on with me, I got to be like, how am I thinking about this? How am I feeling? You know, so it does definitely start with self and the fact that you have the wherewithal to know that this all applies to all of us. It applies to me and my moments and it applies to anybody. So thank you for sharing that because we definitely have people that are not, they may not be watching, but they're listening, you know, podcasts. So that this is like really, um, I'm sure resonating with a lot of people and hopefully opening some eyes and some hearts and ears. So thank you. And two things before um, I hand the mic to Lori to see if she has anything that she wants to share before we go on to the next and final question, I believe, is that one, Lennon, you asked a very important question. What is the origin of this? Like, where does this really come from? Because 99.9% of the 99% of the time, if we really get down to the origin, we'll realize it's not even ours. Hmm. And the other thing is I wanted to point out earlier when I was reading the spiritual text, the text that was talking about, you know, there is no such thing as race. There's no such thing as division based on race. But the ironic thing is, is that the church has helped facilitate this. Just think about that for a second. They say Sundays is the most segregated day in this country. Because that's the day we all go to church. So even the church, an institution that's supposed to house and teach spirituality has also fallen prey to this very illusion of separation and division. I actually thought you were going to well, say think- the, the issue with, um, with Sunday is that Chick-fil-A is closed and that separates people from their chicken and, you know, that kind of thing. But you're, you're with, okay. All right. All right. All right. Go ahead. Let Lori. <laughs> well, I was going to say though, more and more people, the young people are rejecting religion. And religion, I feel, is actually what kept the system running because, you know, you had your Italian Catholic neighborhoods and your Jewish neighborhoods. And so it was, so I think it is with the um, dissolving of religion and the more turning inward. uh, So the more we each do that and demonstrate for each other, then the more we'll bring more people along. 
with us through our demonstrating of our heart and our kindness and all that. And just one thing I wanted to throw in real quick, because I wrote this down a long time ago when you first were reading all the Bible verses and stuff about dominion over the earth. And I was reading an article recently that said that was mistranslated. And it actually means to shepherd over the earth. So we're supposed to be being hmm. taking care of everything and not, uh, you know, raping the planet and resources and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's funny because when I read that, something in me happened. Something was just like, ooh, it, it, yeah, that didn't sit very well. Thank you for saying that because something, when I read that, I was just like, something in me. Um, and I also want to say this to my lovely Israelites and my five percenters and the nation of Islam, you know, because a lot of the times they use what? What is their book? Somebody come off the mic and tell me. The Holy Quran? Yes. Lily came off mic. I'm waiting for her to go ahead. Oh, uh, well, I was trying to, I was going to say it, but then I couldn't get off the mute fast enough. <laughs> it was already answered. <laughs> well, you can stay on mic. It's okay. Um, it's the Holy Quran. Now, when you listen to these group of people talk, they spew a lot of hatred. They spew a lot. They're also under the veil, under the illusion of separation and division. And they don't realize that they are just puppeting. They're just being puppeted by the system because the system wants them out there promulgating and blasting this type of harmful, inflammatory information. Because why? It just keeps the division going, right? So they're back there applauding. Yes, yes, go, go. I am the evil one. That's right. I am the devil. Go right ahead. So it is, it is, they believe that they are going up against the system, but they don't realize that they're just falling right into the hands of the system. But the book that they go by, it specifically says that the Quran, the holy book of Islam, emphasizes the importance of human unity, equality, and diversity. It does not promote racial or ethnic superiority or discrimination, but rather teaches that all human beings are created equal and should be treated with respect and dignity. So again, you have, we have these groups that are just going rogue and just creating whatever just to support their own platform or their own belief system. Because according to this, the Quran is not about what they are preaching out there. So, and I just wanted to share that because um, in ending the racial uh, discrimination, it's like we have to see beyond that. Because if you're, because we're in Harlem, we were in Harlem, and so they're on the corners of Harlem. <laughs> and I actually had to confront one of them because they were telling lies about a restaurant that I worked with for, at that time, it had to be about 10 years. And they were telling lies about that restaurant. And so I just had to check them really quickly on the corner of 125th and, no, 120, 126th and Lenox. Yeah, right there. Um, anyway, so with this, you know, with the ending of the racial discrimination, we also have to look at things, you know, past what we're seeing and seeing how people are manipulating things to support what they want, what their, achieve, what their agendas are. Mm -hmm. Um, 
yeah. Were you gonna say something? Oh yeah, I, I was actually just thinking that this is the the that really at the end of the day, it's the battle between truth and lies. That's that's the end of the day. You know, there's a lot of a lot of lies, and the truth is being covered. And like Linlin touched on before, people don't know the truth about themselves, and that this is where all the, the the trouble comes from is the truth and lies. And then after that, then you have what the agendas are, what the motivation is, and all that other stuff. But at the at the base of it, the root of it, is truth and lies. Um, Lori used the word um, dissolve when she was talking about children that are going away from or not subscribing to religion as much. And um, I just recently received an awareness about dissolving that um, in the dissolution, the evolution begins for us, where we can, um, you know, evolve into this awareness of oneness when we dissolve all of the identities that we, you know, hold. Um, and then uh, Koa mentioned truth and lies. Um, the respect that I would have on truth and lies for others is that everyone's truth is their own. Um, if I were to listen to what you just said, Tezra, about, you know, the Quran and how it's, you know, what they're preaching is, division and it's focusing on race and white man's the devil and whatever they're saying. Um, but somewhere somebody believes that if we keep the story relevant or we keep telling the story and we don't forget, because I've heard this, people say, well, we can't forget where we came from or else we'll, it'll happen again. But perhaps it's because you forgot who you were that it happened. It happened. Um, you know, um, the analogy I love to use is the tree. <laughs> and I say this a lot in the clubhouse space. The tree is something that gives us oxygen, but it doesn't do that without us giving it carbon dioxide. So through the process of photosynthesis, that chemical reaction, the byproduct of it is oxygen. So the tree needs us as much as we need it. That speaks to oneness. A tree can have separate experiences, just like our source, our God, our all, has separate experiences. It shows up looking like me, it shows up looking like Glory, it shows up looking like Koa, it shows up looking like everybody, right? Just like the tree, the tree can have an experience as a piece of paper. The tree can have an experience as a wooden pencil. The tree can have an experience as a book or a wooden table. But if it weren't for that pencil to write on that paper, and if it wasn't for that paper to be in a book, and if it wasn't for that desk for the book to rest on, you see what I'm saying? They're all connected. They're all serving each other. So we are expressions of this oneness. Even the word unity doesn't quite do it for me because to unite means, oh, there must've been something separate that you bring together. But if we look at it as there's only one that has separate experiences, the appearances of the one is the experience. Those are just appearances. They're like illusions. They're just an experience, right? But when they dissolve back into the one, and that's our, our training, our thinking, when we retrain our mind to realize that we are really just one. Having separate experiences, yes, 
That's what we call diversity. But we can respect that this looks different and this looks different, but we both at the core are of the same thing. So the lie has been that we've, we've, we've been lied to about who we are and what we are. So the distortion of the truth is that you are the separate thing. No, I'm just an appearance of the one thing, the one unchanging thing. So I'm not a separate thing. I am the same thing as everybody else. Just a different experience, just a different appearance. That's it. So um, that's kind of I'm 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 seeing it more from not uniting, but but training my brain to see one. And now I can appreciate all the different ways that all the appearances lets the one know what it is. So um, that's my my share on the topic. Yeah, that that that's awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. It kind of reminds me of um, how I, I see a lot of examples. I feel like even if you, you you were guessing, you know, people are guessing what what happens after you, one dies or transitions. What happens in this spiritual realm? Like, and everybody's like, well, I know what happens. You get to float around. Like everybody, people feel like everybody's putting their best guess, and that may be the case. You know, from this particular point of of existence, you may be putting your best guess or that kind of thing. But I do think that there's tons of examples all around you to show you this unity and diversity dynamic. So even if you look at your own body, I mean, I, I never really bought a microscope, but they say it's made of all these little cells and skin cells and all this stuff. So is it, a, are you trillions of cells or are you one body or why can't you just be, it's, it's just both. That's, that's the situation. So we're sitting there, each cell is looking at the other cell. I'm better than you. And they don't realize it's, they're, they're all one body. Um, and I think those examples of that everywhere you look, you know, whether it's a field of grass, it's a bunch of individual strands of grass, but it's one field. They're all connected by the ground. Like you'll see, you can pick up on these little examples everywhere. You know, you don't, you don't pack up into the car, get your bathing suit and go to the quadrillions of grains of sand. You go to the beach, you go to one, you know, so these many, many things making up one thing, making up many things, making up one thing, it happens on and on and on. And it becomes kind of obvious. So even if we don't have what you want to call proof, you can kind of observe this, this phenomenon in so many places. It's, it's And then we get to us being human beings and we think that's where it stops. Like, nope, I'm over here. You're over there. I'm cool. You're an asshole. And we're, you know, whatever, you know, however you want to view it, you know, you end up thinking that separation starts here, but you see the, that unity and in, 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 in diversity everywhere else except with us. So, yeah, even if you can't prove it, you can certainly observe that that, that this takes place in nature and in life all, all over the place, all around you. So thank you. Okay, so Lori um, has to, to shoot out before we go to the next question. So Lori, if you would just um, share with us how we can find you um, how people can connect with you and, um, and yeah, and any parting words that you want to share with us about today and what it has meant to you, um, please, please let us know. Thanks, Tezra. Um, I'm, my drumming is on YouTube at Sweet Pea Comfort. That's my channel. And I'm on Clubhouse just under Lori Miller Conroy, I think, um, and yeah, today's just been really special. I love the conversation and um, just great to be with like minds and um, striving for this 
wonderful goal of unity and ending whatever race is. To me, it's just like where your ancestors came from and what they needed to do in their body system to survive there. Like I've uh, done the eat right for your type diet that goes by your blood type. And that just makes so much sense to me because it's based on your physiology of where you've come from. And that's all. And that's all I think we, any of us really need to be worried about. So Mm. thanks for um, inviting me and I look forward to future discussions. Thank you, Lori. And Lori, if you would just spell out your YouTube channel, because I really want people to go and be able to listen to your drumming. Sure. It's sweet. S-W-E-E-T-P-P-E-A. Comfort, C-O-M-F-O-R-T. And I don't have any djembe up there right now, but I'll I'll get some up there just for you, Tessra. Oh, gosh. Oh, she makes that djembe sing, you guys. Um, there was one event where she drummed for us, and when I was listening to the djembe, it was actually scatting, like it was doing jazz. Like I heard the voice through her playing the djembe. It was scatting. I was just like, oh, my God, this is unreal. So, yeah. Um, and Lori, thank you so much for being here, for lending your beautiful voice and your perspective. And I'm so happy to be connected to you. Uh, and that's one way, that's one reason why I just love Clubhouse, because it has connected me to so many beautiful, amazing, awesome, kick-ass human beings, such as the people yeah, who have the, been here today. The one thing I didn't say and thought of while we were talking is that, um, you know, technology and video is what's really brought a lot of the light to be shown yep. and and it's exposing a lot and uh, and same with clubhouse i think just hearing someone's voice is can be so much powerful than than using multiple senses when you meet someone so yeah yes it's, it's such a pleasure to have met all of you thank you Thank you, Lori. And we're going to put all of the connect, uh, the panelists, their connecting information, Instagram or YouTube in the show notes so that if you didn't get a chance to write it down, you will be able to um, see it in the show notes. So thank you so much, Lori. And I'll see you in these clubhouse streets. <laughs> thank you, Lori. Much appreciated. And now it's down to three. <laughs> um, So one thing that I did want to point out really quickly um, before we close out this room with um, room, the podcast (laughs) with one last question is to show even more how this thing called race and this division and this racial discrimination and all of this to see how even more is more superficially crafted in a very genius way by media is that whenever there is a police shooting and if the police shooting involves a melanated person, then it's automatically hit the news, right? right? If the police shooting that I'm speaking of the, the person who was shot, if it's a melanated person that hits the news front page, breaking news, if that person happens to be a low melanated person, crickets, crickets. And people will say, yeah, well, of course, white people are getting shot too, but it's disproportionate. Now we got this thing of, oh, but it's in disproportionate numbers. Okay, well, I hear you on that. But why is it that we don't see not one story covering a low melanated person being shot by the police, whether armed, unarmed, 
because I have stats. And there are more low-melanated low people shot last year than melanated people. But how many stories did we hear of those? Not one. So that is something to, to think about and to digest as well. Like, hmm, they don't. And why don't they? Why don't they? Doesn't help. Doesn't help the division narrative. Doesn't help the the whole cycle of. I think Del Sol. He touched. He touched on it when um he was saying that you know, a lot of the stuff is money related, and everyone who was saying that there's no money in it. Lori was saying that as well. Um, yeah, that's the that's the key. Got to keep this keep, keep this money rolling in. Keep this division going. Keep this control and power situation going. So, uh, if it don't feed that, well, uh, it ain't it ain't worth our time. True, true. So, Lynn Lynn, she has held and she has hung in with us until the very end. <laughs> Ooh, hold on, hold on. I'm a survivor winner. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, too bad it's not a prize. <laughs> this is the prize. So, mm -hmm. Right, this is the prize. <laughs> so, which industries can we put our energetic rate? Oh, oh, sorry. Which industries can we put on our energetic radar to begin to change the landscape to bring about the true core nature of our existence? So basically saying, what industries can also help in ushering in this change and this elimination of the racial of racial discrimination? What would your answer be? Number one industry, of course, would be media. <laughs> because um, people, they eat more with their eyes than they do, uh, you know, they eat first with their eyes, I should say. My brother's a chef, and he told me that once. He said, people eat with their eyes first, and then their nose, and then their mouth. Mm -hmm. And I said, hmm, yeah, because if you look at something, you'll decide if, you, if it looks good enough for you to eat. So people watch a lot of television. They have so many outlets now, media outlets, social media. Um, I mean, there's just, you can just sit back and watch the show, right? And we're presented with these pictures. Um, pictures are, I think I mentioned this in, in, in the This Is What I Heard book as well, is that everything's being controlled by what you see. And so what we constantly are presented with is the first step in training your mind. Um, so I think media plays a big part of that, but you know, media is uh, a, a part of uh, the program. It's a part of the agenda. Um, but I think that's the very first one. And I don't mean just TV, I mean news and any other way that you receive information. Information is often presented in ways that make us feel like it's fat. Um, you just talked about, you know, disproportionate numbers. Well, how do we really know that? Unless we have laid our eyes on every single person in America and we have experienced every single person in America, how can we really know if more Black people get killed than white people? How do we really know that? We can't. We can't know that unless we've met all of those people. And, um, but we're, you know, but we're fed these numbers and we're told these are statistics. It's still something that someone's giving you. 
So, so I think um, media is, is is a major, and we can see through history, you know, um, with uh, the era of Hitler, um, all of the all of the wars and all that stuff that was created. Um, a lot of it was sold through media. The media, you know, what's the saying? The story is not told, it's sold. <laughs> that's how it works. So, um, yeah, I think that's the biggest outlet. Yeah, we bought a lot of, we bought a lot of those stories. Even though those stories were horseshit. They were, they were bullshit. But we bought them. <laughs> And, and I would say, and I would answer that question the same way, and I would just take it a little further and say that it's the, because we were discussing this last night, and it's like the filmmakers, right? Like, instead of writing, because whenever there is a melanated project or a melanated film, especially in this country, the whole baseline of the storyline is about our skin and the experience of our skin. Like, there is many more stories that can be told that has nothing to do with the melanin level in our skin. So I would charge the filmmakers to just start writing bomb ass scripts with great storylines and great arcs and characters that has, and don't, don't mention your skin tone at one time. Not once. See if you can do it. Just see, you know, the other part is comedy. And Lillian, I know because you love comedy. It's like for the first time on Netflix, and of course it was a younger person. And he had a whole comedy routine and he did not mention his tone of his skin not one time. And he was a melanated young man. He just delivered jokes and never once brought in race into his, his uh, skit. And he only brought up um, a cultural thing about black people, black in air quotes, uh, one time, but it was still very, very light. It was something that I could even digest. So it was very light. <laughs> and then the other thing is music. And that may be more than anything. Like in our music, you know, and, and I think that we did this back in my mother's generation where it was music about togetherness and unity and love. You know, let's get back to that because a lot of the music now, honestly, is even destroying or um, what, I, what is the word that I'm looking for? Um, deteriorating the own black race because of the lyrics and what it is promoting within the music, the greed, the consumption, the materialism, the objectification of females, of men, you know, all of it. And so the same way that that music is created for that purpose, it can also be created to uplift, to bring awareness to drive that oneness that Lin-Lin was talking about earlier. So those are the, and, and of course, the news outlets. Of course, of course, of course, of course. Hands down. If you want to tell us about people getting shot by police, tell us about everybody. 
Don't just continue to try to single out a group of people to make them feel like or think or believe that they are being targeted or that they automatically by default are going to be treated much, much worse. So therefore, therefore, um, we have a friend who he says, now this guy, military dude, buff, um, I don't know how tall he is, maybe six feet. And he says that he is deathly afraid of police. And I thought, well, I hope you never have an interaction with them because the energy of it may end up with you being either hurt or killed if you are deathly afraid of police. And that goes back to not knowing who you are Boom. in that situation. Yeah, that, that right there is it. So, so yeah, so those are the industries. Um, I agree. I agree with you, Lynn. Um, media, filmmakers, television, script writers, you know, especially in the melanated community. Let's graduate the conversation. <laughs> Let's elevate the scripts. We don't have to no longer refer to our skin or refer to, you know, we don't have to do that any longer because we are much more than that. That's my answer. Koa, what's your answer? They thought they could beat me, but they couldn't stop me from being powerful and slapping Chris Rock in emancipation. Like, yeah, every every script is let's reenact it, let's do it again, let's let's show us up rising out of this situation again. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, I'm just basically gonna be repeating the same thing. It's it's clearly um it's media, but it's like I think um you have to even just start before that. The changing of the um the these different uh these different platforms, whether it's music, whether it's this, whether it's that, it, it really starts with what a lot of uh, I know Linland always talks about um, knowing yourself, starting with yourself, and you talk about that as well. And a lot of uh, people from Clubhouse and who are on the panel talk about just getting you have to know yourself first before you can start transforming other these industries and all that kind of stuff. And because too many people are we're, we're like lost and thinking that we're things that we're not. And then we end up um, fighting these, these, this little fight here, that little fight here, but we didn't start at the roots of where we need to be starting in the first place. And once you get that part down, you can really just tr- start transforming everything around you just vibrationally, your communities. It just starts to vibrate differently. And, and we're seeing that. I think we're seeing that in this um, wonderful age of Aquarius. We're seeing um, a lot of these vibrational shifts happening and it'll just kind of just kind of mow into all these industries. It, it has no choice. It's like a, like rushing waters, but we definitely have to start with self and just, just that catching yourself, being aware, asking yourself questions, just really diving deep into who I am and what I am and knowing that and standing firm on that. So yeah, but to, but to answer the question, same thing. I mean, media has to it plays a big it plays a big role. It's a, it's a huge vehicle for those who want to control and dominate and all that nonsense. So, got to start with yourself. Got to be aware. What you holding up there? Well, well, thank you for that answer. And so, before we close out the show, um, Lillian had referred to her um, the book that her community wrote uh, the ascension 
community. They and wrote a book, a wonderful, wonderful book. I, I'm not, I'm not do, presenting it yet. Oh, I'm not presenting the book yet. So they call the book. This is the title of the book is "This Is What I Heard: Ignite Your Divine Spark." And I'm actually reading this, and we're reading this in the mental rehab lab on Clubhouse. And so here is the book. Um. microphone oh sorry you can get this book <laughs> you can get this book on amazon or you can also the authors are listed on the back you can also contact them personally to also purchase the book from from them uh, on their own personal platforms wherever they may be selling it um okay get this off of me there we go okay lynn lynn if you will please let people know how they can connect with you and um, yes, let us, let us know how people can connect with you. Thank you, Tezra. And uh, thank you for sharing information about the book. Ascension Community is, um, you know, what's dearest to my heart right now. And so the way to contact is just through Ascension Community. So the website is ascensioncommunity.org or www.ascensioncommunity.org. Uh, the Instagram is Ascension underscore community. Um, in Clubhouse, it's Ascension community. So wherever you see Ascension community, it's probably us. <laughs> so that's how you can connect uh, to me. Thank you. It is a wonderful space to be in. And I just wanted to say before we close out, so if you see me and Koa, we are wearing our brand. This is One Race Alliance, and this is also how we are promoting um, unity awareness or oneness, as Lin Lin also puts it. Um, my shirt says unity aura. This is one race alliance. And uh, Koa is just wearing our, one of our designs of the sweatshirt, one race alliance. And those can be, um, our apparel line will be found on our website that is coming soon. So Lin Lin, um, to close out, what does this day mean for you? And can we make this a lived reality? Uh, this day, thank you for the question. This day, um, it's, it's always a, an important day when we're talking about oneness and when we're, um, you know, having a discussion and allowing ourselves to become aware of oneness. Um, ha can it be a lived reality? It is being a lived reality within each person who is at that state of awareness. Um, something that I have learned over the last year or two is to see others as I see myself, another myself. So, you know, whether they're aligned with the same beliefs that I have or not, they are still another version of myself. Whether they are a healed version or an unhealed version, they are still another version of myself. So when I interact with people, no matter what race they are, the question is always pointed back to me. Why did I feel the way I feel I felt about that person or whatever they said? Why did I perceive it a certain way? Because all of these people are simply reflecting back to us and helping us to answer a question or to find something that we need to know about ourselves. So it is a lived reality. I think it starts within each person. Um, each person, as they continue to do the internal work, 
they will continue to, as uh, Lori said earlier, to dissolve, you know, and that dissolution allows them to evolve into this awareness of we are all one. We really are. So um, I do think there is a place, though, that diversity, um, you know, is what it is. But I think that the distortion that happens with diversity, anything can be, you know, explained away. You can use any religious book and use whatever line in it to kind of support your, your truth, right? But at the end of the day, um, each person who holds their own truth, if they really got to the core of it all, it would all look the same. You know, we all bleed the same color. We all look the same, you know, when we take off, you know, all of the labels and stuff that we've subscribed to. So, that's my answer. Awesome. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Um, I think Tesla, you can still have some kind of pin or whatever where you're the main um, audience. Oh, uh, can you can you change it? Um, I don't know. I just see like a little thumb, like a thumbtack in the corner of your name that looks like blue spotlight. There we go. Oh, there it is. Okay. Well. So thank you. Um, thank you so much, Leyland, for hanging out with us, for sharing your light and your essence and, and your beautiful shares. And I just love, love, love hearing you speak because I think I told you this over a year ago, too, that when you're speaking, I'm like, oh, yes, I sound good. Because, you know, it's the same thing that I would say. It's just coming out of your mouth. But that points to that oneness and that connecting that we are one. So thank you so much um, for supporting us. And also, ladies and gentlemen, Lynn is going to be our first solo guest on our next episode of um, our podcast, which is called, I'll let you tell the title, babe. Do Black Lives Really Matter? Hmm. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> yes, ladies and gentlemen, that is our next episode. And so stay tuned for that as Lynn, Lynn will be back for that. And um, there was something else that I wanted to say, but I forgot. But thank you all of those out there in Clubhouse who has been on stage with us and all those who are going to listen on Replay Land. Mr. Tyson, I see you in the building. Thank you for being here, although you're a little late, but that's okay, better late than never. Glad you are here. And um, yes, so babe, you can uh, take us on out. I feel like there is a plug that I should be doing, but I can't remember, so we're just gonna have to keep it moving. Uh, all right, so yeah, we can get up on out of here. Um, we just... Thank everybody for, for journeying with us. And we look forward to uh, really just getting um, getting into more juicy topics and having uh, amazing guests. And this was amazing because we're not going to always be having um, a large panel. And so this was a really, really juicy start to just have all these great minds and insights uh, all shared um, on one stage. So like to thank all the guests that uh, that were here uh, earlier. A lot of people. Yes, Del Sol, Naomi, Lori, Kat. Thank you all for being here, and Lynn, who is still here with us. Yeah. And I just want to say these parting words that. Yes, it is true that we are all connected, just like Lynn Lynn had just illuminated that we all have 
blood, we all have heart, we all have lungs, we all have kidneys, we can even transfer to each other. So that proves right then and there that we are truly all connected. It does not mean that we have to like one another. It doesn't mean that. We are connected even to the person that we most despise because we all come from that same source. But we are not separate or divided from that person. We are all of the same source. We are all connected. So the more that we can lean into that the more that we can bring that wholeness to the society and we will see that change that we want to see once we become that change. So everybody, just go out there, walk in your truth, walk in the awareness of knowing that we are all one, that we are all connected. And with that, we will bid you adieu. We are out of here. All right. Thank you. See you next time. Thank you. Thank you. Okay.